now, this is Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses down all the interviews that we've done over eight hours of broadcasting on Scoreline at the weekend. On today's show, Shane Duffy speaks about Carlo Kilkenny's FC rebrand to CK United. Representatives from Carlo and Kilkenny's District League speaks with us. James Carew from Pope McGoe weighs in on Declan Rice and the Jack Grealish debate. We'll have post-match reaction from James Stevens' All-Ireland semi-final win from Van Larkin and Hannah Scott. Irish independent journalist Michael Verney talks all things Ballygunner and Shamrocks Carlo LGFA chairperson Donal Nolan on an exciting year ahead soon O'Mahony appeals for a missing All-Ireland medal James Heavey speaks about referee abuse Paddy Delaney and Frank Minogue talks all things Kilkenny handball and of course Joe Sheehan chats all things Greyhounds we're going to start with a bit of the soccer back to back to back to back to back here's Shane Dunphy speaking about Carlo Kilkenny's FC rebrand to CK United <laughs> You're very welcome back to Scoreline. It is myself, Shane O'Keefe, here on till six o'clock. And don't forget, there's a lot of handball action happening down in O'Loughlin's today. It's just after kind of throwing in, I suppose that's the euphemism you use for handball, and it'll be teas and coffees. And that is over in O'Loughlin's. Lots of minor league finals happening and lots happening in the world of soccer we did of course mention the World Cup and we spoke to two district league representatives from Carlo and Kilkenny Stevie Kyle today Brian O'Reilly yesterday those interviews will go up on scorelink.ie lots of th- things taking a break for the winter but one thing that won't take a break is the work being done behind the scenes for the former Carlo Kilkenny FC so you can say goodbye to that name yes it is now CK United as the club committed a complete Rebound. Joining me now in the studio is the Director of Football. Yes, Mr. Shane Dunphy. Shane, how are you doing, sir? How are you, Shane? I'm very good. Shane to a Shane, yeah, huh? Yeah, very easy to remember that. Yeah, and it's very easy <laughs> to remember the name CK United. A change from Carlo Kilkenny FC. What was the reasoning behind that? Um, the change of the name, just to, to make it a little bit easier for for the region to buy into it and, and also then for a sustainable future to, to get first team um, and some sponsorship within the areas. Uh, something I found last year when I started off in the job in March and we were sitting down going to talk to companies as you were saying Carlo Kilkenny and then when you were coming to Kilkenny you were saying Kilkenny first and, yeah, yeah. Um, so you are messing up the name like, yeah. it was kind of clunky yeah, in that yeah, sense yeah absolutely so we had a conversation in the committee and uh, David Roach from Roach Injury Clinic is on the committee with us and David decided we'll put it out to a vote within and people to come up with names and um, the, uh, the name that was came back every single time from uh, everyone in, on social media platforms was CK United and it was uh, absolutely blew the poll apart the, the one by I think it was a 70 to 25 70-75 25% vote um, so yeah so we went with the public and we decided to get them involved and we stuck with the name then CK United Give the public what they want so with that then uh, comes hopefully bigger sponsorship opportunities did you find that I know it's only in its infancy now with, with the rebrand but have you found it companies been a bit more receptive to the name yeah, look, obviously a hell of a lot more receptive to it. Um, also, then you know our our aim is our, is is to make sure we have a first team, um, both boys and girls, and we have to have sustainable football in the region again. For for I don't know, I know we had it with Kilkenny United and, and Kilkenny City with you know, both the, the men's and the girls. So when we when we're sitting down having those conversations, yeah, CK it makes it a lot easier because as you say, the name is not clunky. It's it's very easy for someone to buy into the brand, and um, it's a region. You know what I mean? We're trying to anywhere we're in. The 
the region it makes it easier to um, get in touch with sponsors and, and we've had a huge yeah huge amount of interest from a lot of big corporate sponsors because we've got something to sell now with the with the uh, oncoming of a uh, season, 2024 season of third division in the League of Ireland and um, a boys and, and girls senior team on, on the horizon for us I've seen you have an exclusive kit deal as well yeah that was a huge that was a, that was the first uh, deal we, we got over so look first thing we have to do is say a huge thank you to Jason and JF Sports uh, for I think I, I, I'm only here a year but I think the lads were with them for three years fantastic uh, local um, business brilliant for all a lot of local soccer clubs in, in Carroll and Kenny and GA clubs use them and Jason's been fantastic for us for the last couple of years the move to Ullsport with the K Club Sport um, was a little bit more about uh, sponsorship and making it easier for our brand to get out there but also because K Club Sport gives us the opportunity to run weekly lottos on their app um, last man standings uh, sell sponsorship uh, to, to businesses um, uh, with all the players that we would be using the app and to record our training um, on the app record our attendances record what they're doing outside of training so look making K Club Sport huge and look obviously then as the, they have another aspect too with the old sport being a, a huge well known goalkeeping brand that we get uh, they've uh, announced um, what's it called um, Keeper Club recently so Matt Dunn in, uh, uh, from Highview actually you probably know him I know Matt uh, yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt's our goal. Watershed. Watershed, yeah. Matt's our good goalkeeping director, but also with K Club Sport and also with uh, the Keepers Club. So um, he's doing a lot of work on the background of that. So that, that's fantastic. So all our keepers get access to videos and training sessions and get to record them and send them in to us and we get to give them feedback. So yeah, yeah, it was a little bit more with the K Club Sport deal. Um, it was, it was, you know, it's great and it moves us forward for the next three years um, with uh, a fantastic brand and, and also f- uh, with the idea of a first team involved that we will be able to sell tickets, e tickets through the um, through the through the app so every every decision we make now is is all with one thing in mind is having two first teams uh, within the next couple of years uh, hopefully within the next year, 12 months that's the that's the idea it all sounds really promising because I, you see online now maybe it's a bit more evident in the in the social media area that we live in but there's been this huge groundswell of support to getting particularly a Kilkenny side yeah, back absolutely. a lot of people have lamented the fact that haven't had one since 2008 you see images of old Buckley Park and you see Kerry United or Kerry starting up and you see Treaty United starting up and so many people are getting online kind of remembering what Kilkenny used to be and now do you feel that CK United can fit into that hole and that space that has been missing in Kilkenny and of course then creating that avenue for Carlo also Yeah it's a big region for, for, for sport it's a huge region for, for soccer look obviously I'm, I'm I come from my background would have been in the League of Ireland with Waterford and then with Wexford and um, you know stepping into the Kilkenny area I have lots of family from the area um, you know my wife is from the butts so I, I have <laughs> I know the area quite well but um, I, I really I can't explain how much every time you sit down and I was in last week at, at the Christmas party getting ready and I was buying we close in, in 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 town, and was two or three young lads were just talking about like, when are we going to get going? When are we going to get the first team? The, the appetite for first team football within the region, not just in Kilkenny but in Carlow as well, um, is just phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, you're talking about Kerry FC. We did apply. I, I, I came in on the, la- the yeah, latter end of that with the with the club and and, and Peter and Fran had, had already started the application for for this year for for the first team. So we were obviously unsuccessful. Kerry got ahead of us, and you know probably rightly so. Um, 
um, disappointing still, um, but we, we're not going to stop. Right? We, so um, our, chairman, our chairman's a big Celtic fan, and we've uh, we've robbed Celtic's mantra. We never stop, so like, we're ne- we're not going to stop until we get that. And, and and look, we need more people to get involved. We need more sponsors. Yeah, but the, the appetite from the local community within, within Carlow and Kilkenny and, and the greater region is just phenomenal for for for. Um, and you mentioned Buckley Park. Look, everyone wants to get that back open. That's the, that's the aim for everyone, I suppose. Is that the aim for the home ground then, or is that still kind of up in the air? Look, we we've we've we we've we've done a deal with the watershed, right? So um, in in very recent times, so that's just about just about finished. Um, so yeah, look, uh, third division will need less to, than what the first division needs. So temporary stands and uh, dugouts and just a couple of turnstiles is really all that's needed in the watershed. And, water. a, and a chipper van, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Well, that, that I'm sure we'll get someone around Kilkenny will be or Carl will be interested in doing that. So, look at the moment, the watershed will be the home. Um, so, we'll, we'll be the home for the 19s boys and girls games next year. Um, and look, we, we continue to hope that Dermonis will be there. I know there's a big change out there um, at the moment. So, there, that's we've been in touch with the new committee and all that kind of stuff. We've been talking to the chairman, had a fantastic conversation with him. Um, so, we wish them all the best. They have a lot of work to do in the, in the meantime, getting everything steady though. So, but once they get steady, we hope that yeah we can work together. And why not? Why wouldn't why wouldn't Buckley Park in three or four years' time be be the aim? It's I was out there quite recently. It's it's not in that bad a condition. Everyone, t- you know, I know the pictures on social media don't do it great justice. But a couple of volunteers in the weekend cleaning, and a few new windows, a few new porter cabins. Um, so you know what I mean. Um, Ollie and Roadmaster have been really good to us, helping us getting porter cabins for uh, the watershed. So another good Kilkenny company. I'm sure he wouldn't be too shy about helping out there as well. Um, yeah, so look, obviously, yeah, Buckley Park is, you know, I remember playing there myself, you know what I mean? It's it's a fantastic stadium. Um, it's an absolute crying shame. So we have to put pressure on local communities, local, the local council, and of course the FEI to, like, we shouldn't have a stadium like that in Ireland where we're crying out for top-class stadiums in the, within, the, within the League of Ireland. And that's just going to ruin, you know what I mean? It, it's not, there's really not that much work to be done out there. You know, okay, less lights and that kind of things, but the physical structure of the building and all that kind of stuff, for, you know, it's not that much really. I think a, a lot of people would love to see it back. I know you're consistently on the beating that drum. Anyway. <laughs> I played there once and we got spanked four 0 Yeah, I'd no. like to have good memories out there. Normally, I was going there as a as a, as a water player, so we were we were <laughs> we tended to be a little bit better at, at that time. So yeah, we 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 tended to win. So always good memories there. Looking obviously at that, that that team. And, so I was looking up to play on Warford was we had a lot of like Neely Andrews, we had yeah. you know Packy Holden, you know uh, you know Dave Mull was the captain, like with a lot of really good Kilkenny people, and um, particularly you know, I bumped into Dave really recently as well. So like uh, it'd be great to get those people First back. First Irishman to score the Aviva, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, we're coming up to an ad break, Shane. If you don't mind staying just yeah, no for a bit after, because I want to get into the under 19s yeah. and you mentioned some names that have played uh, with obviously with Kilkenny, Neely Andrews, yeah. Packy Holden, yeah. but played outside of Kilkenny as well. Mm-hmm. Had to go and play outside of Kilkenny for whatever reason, and we're seeing that happen a lot, particularly with the Wexford team yeah. that you were involved in as well. So I'd love to be able to continue the conversation just after the break if you bear no with me, sir. Yeah, but Shane Duffy, director of football for Carlo Kilkenny FC, the former Carlo Kilkenny FC, now CK United. 0833069696, the dinner's ready.ie contact line if you want to get in touch, if you have any questions, or if you just want to remind us of some great nights out at Buckley Park. Stick around here on Scoreline. 
La Hard Sunday Scoreline. Your music, your sports. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hard, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny. LaHardSkoda.ie. KCLR. You're very welcome back to Scoreline as we continue our conversation about CK United. And just before the break, we talked about the under-19s. And we know that there was a ladies under-19 team for a while. But already now with under-14, under-15 and under-17 men's teams, they're going to make the leap up to under-19 for the 2023 season. With a, You've seen a short statement that you put out online saying CK United are delighted to announce their application for the men's under-19 league for 2023 has been accepted. This further step on the path to a sustainable first team for both our women's and men's squad we look forward to a great 2023 so great news brilliant news yeah it's fantastic for us considering like for the last five years you know we've been stepping up to the 17s for the last couple of years big problem trying to attract second year 17s to, to stay with us because there's no pathway there's no clear pathway again look even on this week uh, for me you know I mean talking to the players and, and having a conversation with 19s players and saying look you can come there will be a pathway we're fighting hard you know the FBI are, are ta- they're talking that there's going to be a third division and we're very very hopeful that will go ahead in 2024 and, and we will be ready with a first team for that so you know what I mean so we can't wait um, and then obviously then for the girls side we've had a 19s team for a number of years um, lots of changes last year you know what I mean um, so I ended up managing the team for the last couple of years last couple of games and some very very young the last three games we had the majority of the team were, were four years too young for the and you know yeah. we're very very competitive in it so but again like for the girls football you just look at Ellen Malloy you know what I mean Thomastown there's so many really really good Freya you know what I mean who's down in Wexford as well like and Lauren Dwyer's just after re-signing again with Wexford yeah absolutely yeah, so Aviva Kelly signing uh, I mean, with, with uh, Shelburne yeah so like we have to make sure that we have a, a proper pathway for those look that's that's one part you know what I mean for both like yes first team football is, is, is fantastic but as I we're talking off air like the majority of these boys and girls will not make a professional career out of football for us it's really really important that we create better people um, well that was the one thing when I was talking to Fran Egan when yeah. he was coming in talking about it and he's in over the under 17s or involved heavily involved he's yeah so he's uh, Brian Brooks is now the 17s manager for the girls so Fran is now in charge of the academies and the underage kids uh, which was really nice because we yeah. got a lot of messages talking about how he spoke was it was really refreshing to hear and it wasn't about uh, like championing the best players and all that kind of stuff it was about just creating better people and it was really like I genuinely mean it after he came off air we were going through hundreds of messages just saying wow that was really nice to hear that was the general sentiment of it yeah absolutely and you can see it in everything we do and, and in we use the, the slogan of identify develop and inspire on, you know, that's our academy mantra right? we want to identify potential talent and that's potential talent that can go as far as they physically can um, if that's getting them a scholarship in America which we're, we're very close to doing a deal with some sports or some inside uh, Stephen from North Kilkenny chap so that's yeah, we've seen Decky McCullen yeah. do it who plays for Evergreen now blessing Kingsley yeah, obviously going o- o- over in the States now playing too yeah so like and that gives him a whole there's become a whole r- more rounded person because living a different culture getting to understand to get away from mammy and daddy and, and cook <laughs> themselves and deal with all that that's a huge part I went know. to Waterford <laughs> that's far enough though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did I, like, but I my know. dad said it wasn't far enough <laughs> yeah and you get you know so you get stuck at home but like these kids 
it's given that avenue and then obviously we, we're working very closely with Paul O'Reilly at the moment in, in Setu in Carlo so we're building a really strong relation there so hope to have more and more kids on, the, on that sport management course that gives them the opportunity to coach and learn to do that it's going to be a huge career pathway in Ireland for football the FEI and Mark Chapman and uh, Jonathan Hill are putting a you know fantastic work in the background look the FEI get a huge amount of hassle or bad bad publicity because of the last the last people who were in there but the guys are doing really good work they have really good ideas so hopefully the government will support that and we'll see the, the byproduct of that in the region as well too and we'll have more and more people employed full time in football Do district leagues have a, a cause to be worried in the sense that some of the clubs in there that would have some of the best players to pick from uh, would be losing them uh, we know that there was a problem with a, a club in Waterford for a while as well and Waterford picking off some, some of the good players from the district leagues is there a strategy to kind of work with the two district leagues or what way does that work? Yeah, look, obviously we had a, a strong link there with, with the previous committee with Fran was on errors and, and also working with the Kilkenny uh, one as well. So Peter was the chairman of the uh, Carroll League and that's where the idea came to provide football, for uh, high-performance football for for the region and underage. Uh, we, we're not really in, comp- in competition, right? That's the, that's the key message, right? Is We're not. We're not um, we, the players might come to us um, because they feel like they want to better themselves and they will end up going back to their junior clubs Like so this year our 17s uh, probably Sean Deneef is a really good example for Thomas there when he came in um, was doing really well You know, didn't get that huge amount of game time and, and went back and I was talking to his dad recently and saying like he was playing the first team and second team like that's the whole point. It's it, they will come in, they will they will get a high performance, and then they'll go back, and and then hopefully you know we we will help with the clubs, and like the majority of these kids will not play first team football. Yeah. Um. So going back, we would see is this if we can make a working relationship work with all the clubs. You know, there's there's obviously there's big clubs here, and no one likes to lose players. You know what I mean? They'll all have their SFA competitions, their interleague competitions. Probably the the big thing with the junior leagues at the moment is the under fourteen. You know, the SFA and in the FEI in my view have maybe made a little bit of a mistake right? putting direct competition between the under 14 league and, and the Kennedy Cup yeah. I mean, so that's a difficult one right? so for me is it the same on the Gainer Cup side of things no because we're 17s but that right. will, it will come in very soon because there is going to be an under 15 women's league as well or a girls league as well so that yeah. will, it will happen and that's going to be a challenge right? for me my, my childhood memories the week in Limerick was probably one of the best memories of football you'll ever have so um, yes um, we want to have teams in the World Cup and all that kind of stuff but I think we need to work a little bit differently on that one so like the, 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 the byproduct is the FEI they want more players in the pathway quicker which I understand but that's okay for the bigger regions of Dublin, Cork and Galway right? for, for ourselves in Wexford, Waterford, Carlow you know Kevin Mon- and you know Kerry um, Sligo even like we will struggle to, 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 to compete with that because every parent and every player wants to play in the Kennedy Cup but carries huge expertise so that's a difficult one that's probably for me I, that's the only reason I would see maybe a, a little bit of conflict between both but I don't see us in the Junior League in, in competition we're, we're offering two different products Yeah, Is there plans then to, for like academy kind of stuff as well or, or camps, is, for, camps for young yeah, people yeah, coming no, in? Look in fairness to, to Carlo Kilkenny within the region they have fantastic um, Gainer Cups uh, interleague teams all that um, so no, we won't be you know, we won't be going into competition with that but yeah definitely we'll be doing different type of football for all so we've appointed Jim Barnes um, as community development officer recently so like, like the futsal tournaments that we just done recently in inside in the watershed 
you know camps Easter camps um, football for fun would be more of a, an avenue that we would look at right and we would probably continue the the same format of um, open assessments and and uh, yeah having conversations with with clubs about different players and all that kind of stuff that's in the, within the region so like it, we've a, we've a very big catchment there like we keep mentioning Carlow Kilkenny area but like we have a lot of players coming from Atoy a lot of players coming from South Dublin a lot of players coming from Tipperary with a good link with the North Tipperary League so yeah trying to make working relationships with all these um, with all these players and coaches and we're all doing the same thing trying to trying to give an avenue of a little bit uh, a nice high standard of football for everyone to play. Yeah, we we've seen um, a, like a lot of uh, Kilkenny. We we mentioned on the ladies' side of things uh, going to the likes of Wexford or indeed up to Shelburne, um, maybe beyond. And talking about beyond, Colin Whelan has recently signed with Derry, yeah. and we have Gavin Houlihan overplaying his trade uh, with Grimsby now at the moment. Yeah, Parik Almond on the Carlow side of things. So we have all these players kind of littered throughout different. I was only talking to Connor English there the other day, who's yeah. back playing with Bridge United, and he was down in Wexford. Yeah. He, the Wexford took a lot of a lot of Kilkenny folk, but gave him an avenue. Graham Dyer. Absolutely. Another one, you know what I mean. Um, so, like, rightly so. Is, is it hopeful now that those type of players that were going, like the Mikey Drennans, had to go uh, to say, I know he went over to England, but like he was playing with Shamrock Rovers and he was he was playing with Sligo Rovers and St Pat's and yeah, yeah, Shawnee Maguire and he was down mm. in Waterford and all these players were kind of in different parts of Ireland. I know it's going to be a Division Three kind of thing, but yeah. are you hopeful even those some of those players might. Well, look, they return, if, we, or? if we look at this in, a, in like the outcome for us is, to, is, is for to provide football for, for for all those people you're talking about. For that to happen, there's a process that has to happen first. So we're we're only in the first baby steps of that. Um, for me, is last year was the biggest thing was to start a culture right, right. So getting that and, and inspiring people to get involved, and we've got to do that. All these players you mentioned, they all leave or they go to places because the product is very very good, and they've got very very good high qualified staff and coaches. So look, that was the first thing. You know, I mean, I. I told the committee that it had to change we had to have from top to bottom we had to have top top quality coaches um, which we do now you know what I mean in every different area so we'll have two UEFA UTA coaches um, by the end of next year um, all managers are on the either on the B or finished or, or finished their B and on their A um, and the lowest qualification we have from an assistant coach is a D license so that's that's what we keep expecting and we keep driving that so yeah then if we pro- we provide the product and that's what the move to the watershed so it's so important so next next Sunday actually tomorrow the 19th girls are starting their their fitness and programs in there so there isn't a reason to go to another we can provide the exact same thing within the region now um, so there isn't a reason that they can go um, but now they have the choice right? before all those players you're talking about they didn't have a choice so they yeah. have to go so that's the whole point is to give them the choice to do that yeah well it's very interesting yeah. um, or like we're we've been shouting on, on our podcast the football manager football show Ken's even recreated it in the virtual world um, it's something that we've been shouting at about as soccer fans or football fans whatever you want to call it we hope that it comes to fruition but is the the supposed uh, ladies and men's team at an adult level is that base say on the division three definitely happening or is is there a case of if that doesn't happen there's still that avenue to play yeah we look if, if the division three doesn't come um, that's a conversation we will have to have with the league of Ireland department and Mark Scanlon and see what the story is because uh, we have to have continuous growth for this to work right um, yeah so we have to have a first division team we have to, there isn't there isn't any other uh, you know, objective here right? it's senior league of Ireland football for both teams um, hopefully there'll be two tiers in the women's division very soon as well I think there's a lot of interest with Dundalk and other clubs and uh, Kerry and uh, other places Kildare 
are looking to get involved. You know, huge amount of interest. So, because yeah. when you look at the roadmap of all the clubs, yeah, they're all one side. They're all on one side, and maybe a few littered on the west, yeah. and all that. Could, there's nothing really in the Midlands there. No, between, not between us and Athlone. Um, Kildare will have one as well. They, obviously, they got and they got accepted into Club Kildare got accepted into under 19. So I would see them and Manute probably working together to to get a team. Um, yeah, no, but if there's, if there's no third division, um, that's a different conversation. I have to, I probably have to bounce that back to Peter and the, and the board. But uh, yeah, we would hope to see it. Uh, we'll have to go for a first division license then. Like and that's a bit a little bit more tricky, obviously, because you need a lot more. And the stadium is a big thing with that. So um, so then we'd have to have an upgrade to either the watershed or Buckley Park. Would have everyone to buy a brick. Yeah, buy one <laughs> brick. Shane, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak to you, uh, director of football at the newly christened CK United. We look forward to all the positive changes that continue seem to happen and hopefully then as you stated we can follow a men's and women's team at the adult leagues but get out and support them as well at the underage level Shane absolute pleasure thank you very much I heard you like a bit of Michael Bublé yeah absolutely yeah this is our Christmas song it's for you Christmas music the only Mr. Stevie Cal who is now the PRO and we've been waiting for a while to find out who it's going to be of course it is the viral sensation himself Stevie how are you doing? Shane how are you? Good afternoon The mystery has been solved <laughs> Stevie Cal the PRO of the Kilkenny District League yeah, I'm hoping to put the amateur into PRO. That's the way we're looking at it. <laughs> I was saying before, you were the man that got me into KCLR, so everyone has to, uh, yeah. you know, if they if, and yeah, if everyone suffers because of you. But you're doing a great job as PRO. You've after establishing an online presence now for the district league that has been never in existence. No, no, and again, no disrespect to anyone on previous committees. It's not their fault. It's just, I suppose, um, look, it, 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 there wasn't much of an appetite for it before, but there is now, as you can see yourself. There's thousands of boys and girls across the, the region playing football. So, again, I don't want to be harping on about it. I sound like a broken record, but unfortunately, whether we like it or not, kids these days, they do consume their news digitally, and, uh, you know, they don't really come in and ask you for a loan of a newspaper. They get most of their news online. So, again, it just makes sense to have that online presence. And again, even for the likes of this weekend, you know, it's unprecedented, but a lot of cancellations due to the adverse weather. And it was easy to knock out a few posts on social media and get the message spread very, very quickly. Whereas if you just put it on a website and hope people are going to log in or hope people are going to see it eventually, you know, you're going to be slow process then. So, yeah, it's, it's good to have an online presence with social media, I suppose, and, and that's the way to forward. Exactly. And uh, as you mentioned, then all the games getting kind of p- postponed or re- they'll have to be rescheduled due to the adverse weather. Some games did get to go ahead because of the facilities that are available in Kilkenny. So that kind of makes things easier. But it was just a very quick, informative message. You let everybody know that the schoolboys and girls were off on the Saturday. And then the message went out last night to state that any games on grass on the Sunday won't be going ahead. So I can see Tullerone sharing it. I can see all the different clubs kind of putting it up there. So the information gets out there very, very quickly. Yeah, health and safety force, I suppose. The, the the first ones to go were the under 10, the kids' games. And then after that, then it was, I suppose, depending on facilities. And, and again, some clubs do have the Astro. So, you know, any games that were on Astro were going to go ahead as it was. And the rest was going to be left up to a referee's inspection a little bit of time before each game. But look, health and safety, Shane, as you know, you've played, you've played yourself and you, you don't want to arrive to a ground and, and have people playing on concrete, which is, you know, a frozen pitch. You want, you want everybody to, to enjoy their football and to be... <laughs> I'm still throwing an old slight tackle anyway, you know, on the concrete. But, uh, Stevie, there's a bit of a break now for the Kilkenny and District League. I believe um, some an FAI mandate, not a mandate from the District League in itself, but there's a month off, so you'll have a bit of respite, I suppose. It's been a, a trial by fire.
Spider since he came in uh, as a new board as well. He just kind of had to get everything back together because of the resignation of the previous board and then the game's been postponed. So you've only been in the role now a while, but I assume that you might appreciate the break. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Look, as I said, the, the, the lads on the committee put in all the hard work before I came on board. I was only, uh, in, you know, on the committee there the last couple of weeks. But uh, as you can see yourself, you know, they're all football people. Uh, you know, I need to name them all, but they, 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 each and every one of them had football in their hearts, and uh, you know, they, they enjoy their football. So hopefully, um, they'll be able to take things in the right direction, and um, that's all. That's all you can ask for from a committee, I suppose, over a league like that. And are you in charge of then, say, the website in itself as well? And because I can see that the, the the results are getting up, the the competitions are going up, and of course the, the the big thing for a lot of clubs has been that the fixtures are being released. Now I know that's somebody else that's doing up the fixtures, but it's great to see it on the website saying, right, in three weeks' time now we have a match, lads. Don't be going out on the sauce the night before because we know for definite that we have a match. So don't be making any plans. Yeah, well, it's great to be able to see that, isn't it? And again, I know a lot of clubs would have been complaining about that before, that there wasn't much of a, a I suppose, notice for their for their games. But Miller is the man. You know, Miller Cochran is the man when it comes to fixtures and uh, and his trusty laptop. He's, he's, he's the man for, for all of that. And he's after doing a great job so far this year, I think. So, um, yeah, credit to him for, for, for that. Yeah, and it's been brilliant as well then to see the influx of Kilkenny teams competing in the Women's St. Canice's Credit Union League also. And there's been a big emphasis on getting people out. We know New Park were playing in the Carlow League last season along with a few other Kilkenny clubs. But because of the numbers that are now being available in Kilkenny, we get to have a league in itself. Yeah, and again, it's probably one of the most, um, uh, I suppose, rapid-growing sports in Kilkenny is ladies, ladies' soccer over the last few years. And you can you, know, you have to look at the likes of Thomas Downs, Ellen Malloy, and what she's gone on to do. And she's an inspiration, as it was, for a lot of young girls that are around at the moment. And, and you know, football is is growing at a, at a great rate in Kilkenny and, and long may it last. Yeah, and I know that when you're talking about football growing, I know that... You- at the heart of things because you have young kids as well that's at the crux of stuff for you you love promoting from a schoolboy and schoolgirl age and through that then helps sustain the leagues but that's something that you have a big involvement in and, and, and something that's true to your heart yeah obviously I've been I attend a lot of games myself because I have three boys that are playing thankfully and um, you know you would see the the same parents the same volunteers the same coaches you know when when you go to all these grounds but again it's it's I suppose when you, can, you don't want to be comparing it to other sports but in, I suppose traditionally in Kilkenny we all know that um, a lot of sports often take a back seat and, and, and have to bow down to other sports at certain times of the year but it's about I suppose letting kids play and getting them to, to play as many sports as they can and not just to be focusing on one and telling them they can't play another because they're involved in such a sport and you, you, you want to see kids enjoying themselves and taking part in as much sport as possible and I'm sure Shane yourself over the years you've seen it where certain clubs and uh, again have been kind of I suppose, targeted with, with maybe you, you might have a good hurler on a team you might be told look hey leave him out there for a while or whatever or maybe he's involved in the hurling or he's involved with camogie or whatever it might be and other sports and they might be told that the football takes the back seat for a while but you know, I, th- I think it's important for kids that they get out and try as many sports as they can and stay involved in as many sports as they can yeah, and it's great to see all the games and all the fixtures been going through the schoolboys Steve it didn't seem like so long ago where you were presenting the show on the cusp of a pandemic and I was your producer and handed you a sheet of every single sporting event being cancelled and we had to do a four hour show <laughs> We've done a four-hour show and I think it was the Kazakhstan Premier League that was going ahead that day. <laughs> the Belarusian <laughs> Premier League. And then we, we we had a chat and a lengthy, lengthy debate about Lee Carsley inclusion in yeah. an all-time Ireland eleven. <laughs> Jeez, 
I still wouldn't have him in it. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. He's, he, 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 you're, he's your hero. So. Yeah, he is. He certainly is an industrialist midfielder. Were you watching the World Cup last night? I was, I've got it, I was, yeah, I was watching it, great, it's actually one of the best World Cups, I think, so far that I've seen in, in, in a long time, I'm really enjoying it, I think the matches are brilliant, again, not going to go into the, the politics of where it's at, but the, the football itself has been of great quality, and it's great to see, and there's been some um, nail-biting finishes, and who would have predicted Morocco? Tell me, tell me you didn't predict them. I, I certainly didn't. I I didn't. Uh, but Robbie and Eddie Scally did on Friday night. They said they fancied Morocco, and I'm I'm not lying. Now I haven't listened back, but that's what they said. Fair play, fair play. Yeah, look, they're there. They're where they are. And again, I wouldn't. They're, they're a leggy team, aren't they? Very athletic, and I was watching them play. They're, they're a bit difficult to to play against. Defensive, very defensively solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, look. Last night for a while it was looking like Harry Kane doesn't miss penalties. Everybody says that, and he stepped up to take the second one, and um, still the ball is still travelling, is it somewhere? <laughs> um, w- do England have a, a point to be aggrieved by uh, the the referee performance? Because that seems to be the big talking point coming out of that from the English side of the media, and it's it's hard to kind of say that when you consider that they, they got two penalties, but Tuchemeni's yeah. goal in the lead up was there a foul on Saka? Should That's there been right. a penalty That's earlier, right. and and that kind of thing what did you make of that yeah well it's very secretive isn't it the, the VAR that's you know that's, that's in place in Qatar it's very secretive that what, what, what goes into decision making there doesn't seem to be um, mm. as open about it as there would be when it's in the Premier League so again I don't know who, who you know the officials you'd have to how far back do they go you know they let that ball play a long time they let that period of play play for a long time and then I suppose that's when France got the goal yeah again did you, what did you think yourself Shane do you think you should have been afraid uh, I think I think was, and I like that you brought up the VAR thing because the the initial foul say on uh, Mason Mount that led to the second penalty I yeah. thought he took way too long to um, make the call while watching the VAR and he was standing right in front of it so I don't think that I know even in the Portugal-Morocco game there was talks about a lot of the officials being Argentin- Argentinian and of course you have the Messi-Ronaldo debate um, I don't think That's that right. there's any bias in, in, in that but it just seemed that it looked like a lot of the referees' decisions didn't go in England's way in particular, and I, I, I do believe that was a foul, and then that could have kind of changed the course of the game. Yeah, I suppose we just have to look at the lead-up to, to how Qatar won the World Cup. You know, you could throw it in that kind of camp as well. Is there a bit of a conspiracy going on at the moment? Is there backhanders? Is there money <laughs> being thrown about? I'm sure, their, I'm sure their PRO has a lot of work to do anyway. <laughs> Yeah, their PRO hasn't done a great job so far. <laughs> no, not nearly as good a job as yourself, Stevie. First of all, congratulations once again on the Kilkenny and District League PRO job. You're doing a tremendous one, bringing uh, the results and the information out to the soccer fans in Kilkenny. Along may I continue, sir. Shane, thank you very much. Absolute gentleman. Stevie Cal, the new Kilkenny and District League PRO. Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Scoreline. It's just kicked off in Portugal versus Morocco. We know that there's air conditioning in the stadiums to protect the games from the heat that would be happening in Qatar. But on Ireland's side of things... We need to stop the colds. Yes, we need a few heaters at some of the pitches because unfortunately a lot of games in the Kilkenny and District and Carlow and District League happened to be called off. Uh, now, delighted to be joined on the line by Brian O'Reilly, the Secretary of the Carlow and District Football League and the games were indeed called off due to health and safety grounds. Brian, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. 
Good afternoon, Shane. How are you keeping? It's very good. I'm very good. I was disappointed in in the fact that the weather is playing havoc with our beloved leagues in Carlo and Kilkenny, but by all accounts, it seems like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, look, it's unfortunate. It's the first, it's the first blanket call-off we've lost this weekend. Um, but on a health and safety ground, it really was a sensible thing to do. There was a very bad freezing fog last night. We were supposed to have a couple of Premier League games, and clubs were travelling, referees were travelling, and then the Astro pitches. People seem to think all weather pitch means it's playable all, all year round. That that isn't the case. Once the rubber and sand freezes, they become very hard. And if anyone fell in on, on on those and hurt themselves, they do themselves a long term injury. So the weather for tomorrow obviously is not good either. Um, and so we just made a decision early so that people maybe could get some extra Christmas shopping or spend some bonus time with the family rather than hanging around and waiting for a ref to make the decision. We made the decision uh, to cancel everything yesterday afternoon. And uh, like I know the last time we spoke there was a discussion in relation to because of Vale Wonders and New Oak Boys happening to be quite successful in outside competitions that they were falling behind on uh, their kind of obligations as the Premier Division level and they were both out to play on Friday night and then they were going to play each other on Sunday. So for, in terms of a logistical thing, where does that leave you then trying to kind of condense these fixtures because they were ever so gracious as well to agree to midweek games and stuff. So just from a fixtures point of view, it must be a bit of a headache. Yeah, look, it's not ideal, particularly the one weekend, as you said, where we're, we're, we're actually going to get a bit of catch-up. So in terms of outside competitions, we've been really lucky with clubs progressing. Um, obviously, there's a, there's a potential fixture backlog, but we, we, we tried to plan and avoid it early, and that's what we were trying to do. All of the other Premier League clubs have played five or six. New Oak and Vale have played two. So Collection played their home games on a Friday night, as do St. Pat's. So they, they, they were both supposed to go to there last night. Vale were going to Collection. New Oak were going to Pat's, and then they had agreed to play each other tomorrow. And then they're both playing next weekend, whilst the other Premier teams are playing the Shield Core finals. So we would have pretty much ended up with everybody in the Premier at five or six level by Christmas and it will be great but look we've lost this weekend hopefully we won't lose next weekend and we're just going to put the games that were due to be played this weekend we're going to put those back on on the 7th and 8th of January so the Vale and New York will get two games in that weekend so far Touchwood we've been quite lucky we're certainly not behind in games we have those two clubs who are but everybody else isn't because our, our weather has been so mild and we've been so lucky uh, with games we're, we're well on track or the Division 1 and Division 2 like are more than halfway they're well on track it's just you're trying to avoid a situation Shane whereby as happened in recent years uh, everybody come February or March has only got one team left to play which would be New York or Vale and then that's not ideal now Vale unfortunately have get have gotten knocked out of the two outside competitions so Vale are finished I'm not too worried about them New York are into the last 32 of Leinster and that's on the 29th of January and then of course they're an amazing run in the FEI Senior Cup sees them into the last 16 of that with the 11 League of Ireland sides and only 5 amateur sides left so that's on the 5th of February so that's obviously two weekends in a row where New York won't get to play a league game and hopefully they'll progress in, the, in those competitions still even more so but look as I said they're prepared to play catch up midweek rather than leaving it until March or April and all of a sudden then you find yourself playing Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday and it's a disaster and then you have to be very careful because you don't want a situation to develop whereby you've got seven Premier League teams who all have only got one opponent to play and then you can only play one game a week so as I said the Shield quarter finals next weekend 
Uh, vale and Bonglass played each other last Tuesday night on the Astro. Vale, vale won that one. We've got New Oak and St. Pat's down to play this Wednesday night. Again, they've agreed to play midweek. And then next Sunday, we've got Parkville and Credit Yard and Mill and Collection. And that will get the KCLR Shield to the semi-final stage, which hopefully will be midweek in January. And then we'll look at having a final in February or maybe early March. Um, so we're, we're well on track with that with that side of it. Our youths is, is, is well on track. Um, we were supposed to have an all-carlo clash today in the LFA uh, Youth Cup third round born Celtic in Hanover, but that will take place now um, after after the Christmas break. Yeah, and I suppose when you're kind of recalling the, the COVID era that we all got to play in as well, these type of logistical things were coming up at the whole time. So you must be quite versed and been able to kind of change on the fly as needs to. Yeah, and, and I suppose the big plus for us in Carlo is like we've been so lucky with our clubs. Like we've got Burn Celtic, we've got Vale Wonders, we've got St Pat's, and we've got Collection. Like we've four of our clubs now who've developed their facilities to a full size all weather pitches with the floodlights. So that gives us so many options um, there to catch up. You're not waiting until the clocks go forward and having to play midweek. Then all of a sudden, we do have the options. It was stipulated in the rules the KCLR Shield this year uh, that the semi-finals would be at neutral venues midweek so that we wouldn't lose a whole weekend of fixtures just for four teams. And I think that's really important because generally when you get down to the semi-final of the KCLR Shield, you usually do have um, four premier sides left. Like It looks like on, unless Mill can pull off a shock against Collection um, in the quarter-final next Sunday, it looks like the Shield quarter-finals or a Shield semi-final will be the four premier sides. We've got Parkville or Cretty, We've got New Walker Pats and Vale are already there, and then Collection or Mill. So uh, to lose four Premier teams playing a weekend game uh, would be would be would be very difficult. But now the fact we can play them midweek means that we don't lose around the Premier League fixtures that week. Yeah, talking about the 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 floodlights and the expansion, we've talked to various clubs in regards to their constant improvement of the facilities and I have to admit when I see Friday night fixtures and I'm reporting on them here at KCLR in the morning saying Collection are playing in Scots Quaker Field tonight and stuff I'm quite envious that the Friday night game, games go ahead or, or the Saturday night day, uh, games indeed go ahead as well because they have a bit more time maybe on the weekend and stuff so it's a re- it's really imperative that the clubs if they can sustain it continue to strive to improve yeah, and that's that's one of the big things we did. So when, when the clubs got their Astros, we, we, we adapted our rules at an AGM two years ago. We gave the clubs an, an option. So if And it's not just Astros. If a club had a grass floodlit pit, so any club with floodlights has an option now. You can play your home games on a Friday night at 8 o'clock, on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock, or you can leave it as a Sunday at 11 like it used to be. So Collection have opted this year to play their games on a Friday night, both their A team and their B team. Uh, St. Pat's have opted for their A team and B team to play on a Saturday night. Burn Celtic have opted for their team in Division 2 to play on a Saturday night. And the Wanderers uh, B team have opted to play their games on a Saturday night. And they, they have left theirs on a Sunday morning. But what it means for us is it means we've got soccer all weekend, which is great for the enthusiasts and the spectators. Like we're getting massive crowds, we find, in collection on a Friday night. We're getting big crowds in St. Pat's and Burn Celtic and Vale on a Saturday night. People really like going out to the evening games rather than the Sunday morning. And then for the players, for me, it makes sense. I know if I was still playing, I'd love to play on a Saturday night. Yeah. Maybe go for a point or two afterwards with the lads and then have your day off on Sunday. Um, so it's, it's up to each individual club with their lights. They have the option as to what, they want to, as to what the home club wants to do. So, yeah, we're very lucky. Like we've, got, we've got football now um, three, three, three times a week instead of just on a Sunday. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, unfortunate for a lot of uh, kind of youths and underage in, in regards to some of the fixtures being called off, maybe they're all at half two genuinely scheduled, so maybe they're quite happy to go sit down and watch Morocco and Portugal instead, and I don't want to be taking up too much of your time away from that game. But when it comes to addressing those kind of fixtures for the schoolboys and schoolgirls, is that the same type of logistical thing where you're just going to have to figure it out as it happens? Yeah, so now we're lucky. We're lucky with the youths. Our youths are well on track this year. Um, we've had two divisions, two very successful divisions, um, but they're two small enough divisions at eight and six. So they're well on track. And then in terms of the schoolboys in Carlo, schoolboys in Carlo is a little bit behind, um, but that's actually down to the success of the clubs in the SFAI competition. And then the SFAI this year decided to run a trophy competition. So if you got knocked out at the SFAI Cup in round one or two. Uh, you ended up being put into a new trophy competition. So that has had a little impact. Um, and I know speaking to Michael Coughlin and Kilkenny, it's been the same for him with his juvenile fixtures. Uh, we are well behind where we'd normally be because the clubs have been guaranteed this year at least two SFAI games instead of one. And then the clubs are progressing. Like We've got several clubs now through to round four of the SFAI Cup, which means it, should they have... They would still have been on today. Had they won today, they'd be into the last 32 of Ireland. It's an open draw. And we've had more teams go through than ever before. And in our league, because we went odds and evens, our leagues are bigger than ever before. Um, so certainly, for the juveniles, they had, a, they had an executive meeting last week with the, all the clubs, and it was flagged to them that we are way behind and that we are going to be playing soccer right up until the end of May, early June this year, whereas traditionally for the juveniles for the last four or five years, we would have finished by the May bank holiday, but we're certainly running about four or five weeks behind. But it's not weather-related. It's, 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 it's related to the league being too big um, and club successes in the SFI competition, which I suppose is a good complaint to have. And certainly is. Uh, I suppose you've seen the news as well. Lauren Dwyer has agreed to remain with Wexford Utes for 2023. Carlo Native looking forward to an 11 season in the club. That's great to, to see. And we know that Carlo has a great history when it comes to women's football. Um, unfortunately, this year there there is no league. Some of the teams are participating on the Kilkenny side of things. Are you looking at maybe kind of getting that league back going or what What would be the plans on that? Yeah, so we we had um, we had a league manager meeting there on the 21st of November, and we put it to the clubs that we're trying to get a seven aside or a nine aside ladies up and running in January. So the good news is we've got seven entries. Uh, we've got seven entries, and we have given the clubs until the 5th of January to register players with me, and then we're going to decide when we see how many players each club have registered whether it will be a 7-a-side, a 9-a-side or 11-a-side ladies. So we've worked really hard now um, the last number of weeks with our clubs trying to get the ladies back on board. And uh, hopefully, as I said, we've got seven entries and hope we, start, we hope to start in the middle of January, whether it will be 7-a-side or 9-a-side uh, will depend on how many players. But certainly the demand seems to be out there. Obviously, success of the Irish ladies' national team and qualifying for the World Cup and everything. There's certainly players out there who want to play so we would encourage them to go and join their clubs um, and get the numbers up. But it's certain what we in, our, in the league now are progressing the most on is to get the ladies back up and running. Certainly. Just look at Aoife Kelly's success story going from St. Pat's Boys and now she's playing with Shelburne and she's after winning that cup earlier on uh, this year. So it's a fantastic story for herself. Um, before I let you go, I want you to settle a debate now, Brian. So from, from your Carlo perspective, we were on air there one day and we were talking about Colin Whelan signing with Derry City. And we said, on a Kilkenny side of things, will he be the next Kilkenny 
international. We've had Matt O'Mahony and we've had Shawnee Maguire. And then I mentioned that there's four counties within Ireland that have yet to have an international capped player, Carlo being one of them, until we got the notification that Phil Babb, although London-born, his mother is from Carlo. So, from the secretary of the Carlo and District League, would you take Phil Babb, or is he regarded as the first internationally capped Carlo player? Oh, no, we certainly take Phil Babb. I believe he's one Oh, why not? Why not? Brian, absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and giving us an update on the Carlone District League. We know that you'll hopefully have more fixtures going ahead next week, I believe, because in the Kilkenny side of things, they're cutting it off after this weekend. So, But you're able to still push on. Yeah, 50-50 for next week. I think this prolonged cold spell is meant to last till the end of the week. So please, God, we'll get our youth, the few youths we have and we'll get the, we'll get those important Premier League games and those important KCLR Shield quarterfinals played next weekend. And then we're back on the 7th and 8th of January and those fixtures will be released uh, Christmas week. Brian, as always, an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for taking the time, sir. Thank you for having me, Shane. Thanks very much. Thank you. Brian O'Reilly, Secretary of the Carlo and District League. Calling a soccer man, Shane, during a World Cup quarter final. It's nil all in the Morocco and Portugal game as of now. We're going to take a quick ad break. There's lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. We're here until 6 o'clock and then we're getting ready to watch a bit of World Cup action as England take on France. I'm delighted to be joined by a Kilkenny man living over in London who is one of the creators of this fabulous publication. We've spoken to him quite a bit called Pogue Magol. Issue 8 is out now, but you can go and get all the previous issues on the website. But delighted to be joined by James Carew. James, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Shane. Nice to speak to you again. It's always... I think it was the Euros last year is the last time we spoke. I think it was, yeah. So a lot, a lot happens in football. It, it certainly does. And we'll get into all that World Cup talk in a bit, but I just wanted to kind of touch upon Pogue McGoal. You have the podcast now, and obviously the publication has been out for, for a bit, but leading up to Christmas is definitely a stocking filler for any football mad fans. Yeah, we think so. We're, we're doing an offer at the minute where if you buy the latest issue, issue eight, we'll, we'll, we're throwing in issue seven as well. So if you didn't get a, a chance to get a, your hands on the last one or you've never read Pokemon Gold before, you'll get your hands on, on two co- two issues in the run-up to Christmas. And yeah, I think it is a, a really nice stocking filler, even if I do say so myself. Yes, there's over 70 pages in it. It like features a lot about Irish football, but has the international side of things coming into it with different authors from various different parts of the world feeding into it. Yeah, so the whole idea is it's kind of like a, a keepsake. It's supposed to look uh, as good as the writing is inside. It's a piece of design. What we like to celebrate, what we call football culture. So we have contributors from all over Ireland, but they're have many international con- contributors of places like Spain, Sweden, Italy, England, Germany, Serbia, Australia, yeah, you name it. We 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 kind of put the call out to uh, artists and illustrators and photographers and writers, and they're always happy to um, to get on board when they when they realise it's an Irish publication at heart, but covers the globe at the global game. And is what's reflected in the magazine also reflected in the podcast you have going? 
Yeah, so what we what we like to do in the podcast is generally explore one of the articles from the most recent issue or a previous issue with the author of the piece. So to delve a bit deeper, but we've also had things like the the, the club photographer of Venezia FC in Italy, which has become the kind of, I hate using the word hipster, but has become <laughs> a bit of a hipster club with its beautifully designed jerseys. So he was a really interesting guest. We've covered football in kind of East Germany. Um, yeah, uh, we've spoken to Brazilian journalists. So yeah, it, it's a, a chance to to dial deeper into some of those articles we've had. But and then in, I've just recorded a, a, a podcast this week where we're, we're doing a bit of a World Cup special. So yeah, all all, all kinds of everything. Lovely. And just because you brought up Venezia as well, um, there has been the, that Irish connection as well with doubts kind of cast over Aaron Connolly's future. He's been on loan there. Um, a lot of people saying that he's not going to even go back to Brighton. He could end up in the League of Ireland. Yeah, I mean, Aaron was he kind of burst onto the scene, didn't he? And there was a lot of, of, of a kind of hype around him. But you just hope for his own sake that he can get his career back on track. I understand he's had some injuries since he went to Italy. I, I, again, it is Serie B, so it's not the top flight in Italy. But I think they may have had a change of manager as well. So, I mean, he showed in the Premier League with Brighton that he's got bundles of talent. So it's just about um, focusing it a bit. And you do wish him well because, you know, the Irish team for certain can always do with a, a creative players and skillful players like that. And the League of Ireland could as well. We've seen it with Shawnee Maguire when he came back to Ireland then made his way back over to, to England in the, in the form of Preston. Gavin Houlihan did the same thing as well. But some guy who might be destined, and maybe not for the next few years, is uh, Kilkenny's own Colin Whelan having signed a two-year contract with uh, FAI Cup champions Derry City. A really positive move for him. 44 goals, I think, in 66 appearances before he had a, that debilitating knee injury as well. But a, a, a huge move for himself. Oh yeah, I mean Derry are going to be the the real challengers to Shamrock Rovers, aren't they? So it's always brilliant to see uh, Kilkenny soccer players, football players doing well. There was a couple of years, couple of years there, particularly where Wexford FC, where we had like a lot of Kilkenny players in the League of Ireland. We've a few cross channel as well. So yeah, we always always like to see our own doing well. You have the Carlo Kilkenny underage team as well. So yeah, as a former Kilkenny City diehard, I mean, I still I still yearn for a, a return to a senior senior team, which you never know. You never know, and that that's why it was it was somewhat disappointing as well. It, it like it's great for Kerry as well to be introduced into the League of Ireland, but it's it, it's kind of so disheartening when you see these different uh, places with a huge catchment area and a massive stronghold, been able to get a team together. Now I know CK United, which is the new rebrand of Carlo Kilkenny FC, are developing things and they have an under 19s men's team now going ahead. But it, it it'd be such a huge day for soccer fans within Kilkenny and indeed Carlo to be able to celebrate a team getting into the League of Ireland yeah and I think that we know the talent is there uh we have a tradition in Carlow and Kilkenny in soccer. We have a very strong tradition. We've had a League of Ireland team before. So with the right people putting their heads together, you know, anything could be possible. And as you say, the, the CK United, uh, you know, the natural next step would be the senior grade. So we wish them well. Yeah, we certainly do. And we'll be talking to Shane Dunphy, the technical director of CK United, uh, tomorrow at this time on uh, Scoreline. Um, 
You've been quite vocal now online about a recent interview that uh, Martin O'Neill conducted, talking about his time as an Irish manager, and he was on TalkSport detailing the Jack Grealish and Declan Rice kind of debacle, as some people might say it, but trying to maybe convince, or not trying to convince, or in his words, not trying to coerce the two of them to commit to the Republic of Ireland. Um, You've been a bit critical on Martin O'Neill's side. Could you tell us why? Well... We recorded a podcast this week and my two co-hosts were English and we spoke about this topic. And I guess I guess on a kind of a human level, Martin O'Leal is being very reasonable that he didn't want to coerce, as he said, these young kids who, let's, let's be honest about it, were English. They would have grown up wanting to play for England and he didn't be the one, want to be the one they kind of took away that dream and by tapping them with a senior cap for Ireland, that would have, you know, changed the course of their careers. But on a football level, and football isn't always, uh, you know, all fair and love in football, he's the manager, he was the manager of the Irish national team. And I think his defence is a bit of a cop-out. And I think he contradicted himself. I think he contradicted himself when he said they knew the rules. Because when they pulled on... I, I, I can forgive Grealish to an extent. He was, you know... Well, to a great extent. He was on underage teams. But um, Declan Rice played three senior internationals for Ireland. He was man of the match in two of them. And what Martin O'Neill neglected to say in that interview was, I'm pretty sure he was on the bench for some competitive games. I think Moldova had been mentioned. So if, if for example, we had injuries in that game or or we needed, we needed rights to come in and change that game, that would have been it. He would have been playing for Ireland. So if O'Neill really felt this kid didn't want to play for Ireland, he wanted to play for England, why not have a, why not have a kid from Cork or Donegal or Kilkenny in that squad uh, instead of putting him on a senior international, a senior competitive international? It just doesn't, they don't marry up. And the other point is, I want the Irish manager to do the best for the Irish whatever that takes. And that means getting the best players from wherever they may be. We know about the problems of producing our own players. So occasionally a small country like Ireland does have to look beyond our shores. And I I felt, I mean, Trapatoni was criticised before for not believing in Irish players and not saying we had this, saying we didn't have the players and believing we were inferior. And I I think there's some an element of that in Martin O'Neill as well. It was that I'm not going to deny this kid to play for a quote-unquote a better team, a bigger team. I mean, commercial has come into it. He would be denied commercially if he played for England. When did that ever uh, affect national teams? When did commercial and money-making come into it? So for me, as an Irish fan, to hear the Irish national team manager say that just didn't sit right. And I, I said in a tweet also, I think Stephen Kenny would have capped those two immediately, precisely for these reasons, to... to to uh, recruit them for Ireland and I don't think we'd be having these moral um, question marks over it if he did so yeah, it's an interesting debate, particularly uh, the Declan Rice thing where he had previously commented that he wouldn't commit to England and has sang the national anthem, of course. Jack Grealish, you mentioned a bit of a different story. Uh, he was the under-21 player of the year, I believe, but Ireland yeah. themselves have been the benefactor of other countries' youth system. You just look at James McLean and Ada McGeady, so you can kind of 
forgive that because we've somewhat done that but this is this was almost unprecedented in, in, in certain respects of course you had Wilfred Zaha uh, doing it almost with England and going to the Ivory Coast but it, it's kind of unprecedented from Irish perspectives yeah I mean look I made a comment God love Jack Grealish. For all we know, he probably still thinks he's playing for Ireland. We're just in the away kit. He's not, <laughs> he's, he's not going to give uh, the beast or the vixen a run for their money on the chase, you know. But brilliant, brilliant footballer. I, I can forgive Jack Grealish, and I do get, I do get this idea that, you know, Declan Rice has a chance of winning a World Cup or tour or Euros with England. Yes, he becomes a more valuable player commercially he's, he's more exposed to you know he can make more money being an English player At international football your country your nation going up against the best in the world does that come into it and I think it is I think it's a farce of the FIFA rules that a, 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 a guy can play three international matches three senior international matches and then and then uh, change country and let's be honest like jumping ship to Ireland's biggest rival kind of and all the historic context that comes into it so it just doesn't it doesn't sit it doesn't sit well with me and then you see things like him being held up as this he's been on documentaries where what he talks about to be English and Englishness like you know a bit of self-awareness of what you what he did do and I know arguments have said he was an 18 year old kid Shane when you're 18 you're a man you, there's a lot of decisions you make at that age. You're a grown adult. You're a man. Uh, and as O'Neill said himself, when you pull on that green jersey in a senior international, you're a man of the match in two of them, you're on the bench for a com- competitive international, you do know the rules and you know you know what you're committing to. And look, it might seem... It might seem unrealistic and, and, you know, but I think the people who say we're denying him uh, chances to win tournaments, are all, maybe we also have an inferiority complex about Ireland and say, well, he's better off at England because he might win win something. I don't feel that as a Irish football fan and as an Irish person. Yeah, I can completely understand your point of view in in that respect. And it is a very... It's a difficult topic of conversation because ultimately Declan Rice now is going to be playing in the quarter-final. There's only once when Ireland re- reached the quarter-final. That was the 1990 World Cup in itself. Um, maybe they could have if you had someone like Jack Grealish and Declan Rice in the team. But speaking of that quarter-final against France tonight, what's the feelings like over in London at the moment? We know that they were riding high after the Euros, but Gareth Southgate has, after coming into a lot of criticism since then, and uh, the kind of defensive nature that he wishes to play. Then you have the Fuffle around Ben Weiss and uh, Raheem Sterling having to leave the camp and come back. What's the feelings like within England at the moment? It's definitely a slow burner. I mean, they had a horrible Nations League, uh, England. I think they may have been relegated, but yeah, really, really poor Nations League. So coming into the World Cup, not in good form. Uh, but and and this is kind of I think Shane myself and yourself have spoken before about that kind of the looking in from from abroad is like oh God could you imagine if they won it they never shut up about it and and you know they keep building they hype up the team at every tournament that's not really the case that may have been the case when we were younger and they kind of round about 1990 when Ireland was rubbing shoulders with them I mean the English people I speak to 
don't expect to win tournaments. They go into tournaments pessimistically. They say, right, we might get to the quarterfinals. We'll probably go out on penalties. So this is a manager who had taken them to a World Cup semi-final, a Euros final, and now here they are again in the last eight, arguably again without having had to particularly extend themselves or come up against anybody too um, special. So they've done what's been expected of them. But, I mean, their attacking talents are scary. And I think this Jude Bellingham, for a 19-year-old who has captained Dortmund this season, I mean, what a star he's turning out to be. So I think that it's kind of without getting, without really running away from this, with themselves, as we might accuse them, the ordinary English fan is kind of saying, you know, we've got a chance against France, and they do have a chance. Any any kind of objective observer would give them a chance against France, and then you never know. We had a healthy debate about Jude Bellingham today in the office, and we talked about kind of blowing up players from a young age. Um, you look at Deli Ali and what's happened to his career since he was, you know, touted to be the next big thing, and hopefully it won't happen. The same won't happen with Jude Bellingham, and he continues to have a great career. But there's another topic before I let you go that came up um, in the studio today that we were discussing. It's been. A- hot topic for the past week or so we mentioned that uh, when we're talking about Colin Whelan signing with Derry that he might be the next Kilkenny international on the Republic of Irish team following in the footsteps of Shawnee Maguire and Matt O'Mahony and we mentioned that there was four counties within Ireland that have yet to have uh, an international cap one of them being our very own Carlo however a listener messaged in saying that Phil Babb, even though he was born in London, his mother is from Carlo. So does that technically count as a Carlo international cap? I'll leave that in your very, very capable hands. I mean, after the conversation we just had about Declan Rice, I mean, well, let's say as a pure Irish football fan who loves loves League of Ireland, etc., I grew up playing soccer in Kilkenny and Carlow against many a Carlow team I would love to see a natively born Carlow player pull on the green shirt so uh, we'll yeah how does that is that sitting on the fence we'll put an asterisk beside it <laughs> put an asterisk beside it he's, he's a well I've not heard of anyone else actually who had Carlow grandparents so he's definitely he's definitely a Carlow man but I would love to see a young Carlo-born player who, you know, I had some great tussles against Carlo teams growing up, both school, both school, school boys. So I'd love to see someone come through our structures and pull on the green shirt. How's that? I love it. James, thanks ever so much. Once again, Pogba Gold, you get two for the price of one when you order it this Christmas. All they have to do is go on the website, I assume. That's it, and you can find us on social media as well. It's at Pogmagol, and you'll get it all from there. So thanks very much, Shane. James, and pleasure as always, and we'll have links on scoreline.ie throughout the week. James Carew from Pogmagol, absolute gentleman. There's lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. Hannah Scott, congratulations. You're true to the All-Ireland Club Final with James Stevens next weekend and you're heading to Crow Park how do you feel? I've no words Martin. I'm actually over the moon uh, the entire team is as well and we can't believe it to be honest we're, we're lost for words at the moment we're a bit emotional as well. we can't believe we're in there 
you've grown and grown in this competition every game you played you got better and better and to come up again the Galway champions and the Connacht champions and to beat them here today in UL it's a fantastic achievement like for such a small club like yourselves and you know people didn't expect you to get through to it but you have you're there and it's a great day for the club and it's a great day for the parish yeah it is and Castlegard they're a brilliant team and they have great players and uh, they really stuck it up to us like we there was touch and go a few times and we were they were really a, a good competitive team so um, we're absolutely delighted to be there and to get a win on the end of the day and to go to Crow Park next week so we're looking forward to it it was a tough day uh, conditions itself when we arrived down here the main pitch itself was frozen and you were shifted onto the all weather 5G pitch here the game was frantic like what's, is there a big difference in playing a normal grass and playing on the 5G absolutely yeah the ball moves far faster we've actually been training on AstroTurf during the week um, for a few weeks there just with the weather um, so that kind of stuck to us doing the training during the week we were out in um, Kilkenny College so it stuck to us we had our touch right and um, no, look we're happy now we got the win so um just at the end of the day I suppose yeah the ball did move faster and it was touch and go there when my heart was nearly in my mouth when the ball came in past me but uh, we got it out so we're happy yeah. You have a great bunch of players there and your forwards as always play very very well but I thought the backs today were exceptional you know you didn't give away too many silly frees like you had done in the previous games Chloe Broderick was their main threat and you really didn't give her that much opportunity at all at all the backs and Lucy P- or McGrath in the goal you played very very well Yeah I played with Chloe there when I was in college with her and uh, she's an exceptional player so that was one of our main threats and we, so we knew we had to kind of put it up to her um, so yeah when the ball came in we just kind of had to keep calm keep cool um, and just work the ball out really communicate to each other and work it up the pitch so that's the main thing we, and we did that today so we're all very proud of ourselves and can't wait for next week now Why wouldn't you? You were there last year with yeah. the intermediate team in 2021 wasn't a good day but it's going to be there this time now with all your friends growing up all your teammates it's a completely different dynamic Absolutely yeah uh, last time <laughs> uh, I won't talk about it but it wasn't a good day at the office so uh, hopefully now next next uh, Saturday will be a different ball game altogether and we're just going to bring our bring our fight and bring our spirit to the game and hopefully we'll play as a game and play as a unit so hopefully we'll go out and we'll do the job Well congratulations you deserve the victory and we're certainly enjoying following you all the way through now go enjoy the celebrations today Thanks a million Martin Thank you Van Larkin, you're not only a Kilkenny legend, but you're also a James Stevens legend as well. And you've just witnessed your granddaughter win the All-Ireland semi-final and she's on her way to Crow Park next weekend. You're a happy granddad. Oh yes, very happy. But it's not just about Hannah. Hannah, we say. I know all them girls since they were playing under 16. And you had Hannah Scott, you had the Dealey girl. And, and Lucy McGrath, the goalkeeper, they were brilliant today. And that's not leaving off Sophie the Wire in them. They were brilliant. And they met a very good team. They were lucky enough to hang on there in the last 10 minutes. They did. Casagar put it up to yeah. him. There was a purple patch there for oh, a while. Were, yeah, purple patch, and our goalkeeper was very good. Yeah, Lucy had an exceptional game. Yeah. And while you do say it's not all about the one player, you are a granddad, and to have a, a granddaughter playing on the team yeah, well, had, is exceptional. But there, the 1 to 15 today were exceptional. Yeah, yeah, I had two in then. I had a, a Gary Camino sub. Oh, so Jenna was there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I hope God now it'll go well. It is really something new for us. We say we're not a, a real long camogie. T- we say the club is not that long. 
in Camogie, you know. They're in it for about 15, 20 years. But that wouldn't be long compared to how we say Liz Downey and Mullinavash. But it's great for us, you know. Tell us what it means to the club itself. I mean, you've been a village man all your life. What does it mean to the club out there now, fans, to get to a club all in final, and especially to get to Crow Park? Well, it means everything now, because at the general meeting, we co-opted the club into the one club now. It is James Stevens' Hurland Club and Camogie Club. Yep. The Camogie Club was separate, but it was to use all our facilities. But it's unbelievable. It's brilliant. I didn't think we'd see Croke Park for a long time, even in senior now, because we're not going that well in it. But uh, It takes the women to show up the men sometimes. Well, you have to have a good woman behind you. <laughs> and no doubt you'll be there next weekend. Well, if God spares me, I'll be there. Perfect, good man, fan. You're very welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. It's just kicked off in the second half of Morocco versus Portugal. Of course, Morocco winning 1-0 and could become the first African side to reach the semi-final stages of the World Cup. Coming up in the next hour, we'll be hearing post-match reaction from James Stevens' historic win against Castlegar down in Limerick today. That game is up now on Big Game Live on Scoreline.ie, but we hear from John Scott, former Kilkenny Intermediate Manager, current James Stevens Manager, Hannah Scott as well. And of course, James Stevens' legend, Fan Larkin, caught up with Martin Quilty after the game. That's all coming up in the next hour. Just after that, we'll be speaking to James Carew of Pogue McGoal about the Martin O'Neill controversy. Or is it controversy? When he was discussing Declan Rice and Jack Grealish on TalkSport during the week. And we'll be looking ahead at the English sentiment from an Irishman living in London in just a bit ahead of England versus France. One man who's also having a very, very busy day is Irish Independent. How would you describe it? Just a, just a man who is so involved in all different sports, from racing to GAA to podcasts. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Michael Verney from Our Game, the Irish Independent. You name it, he does it. Michael, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. No bother, Shane. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. As we mentioned what we're doing here, you're keeping an eye on many different games happening all around the country, no doubt, getting your reports ready. How's that going for you? Sorry to interrupt you on your time as well. No, there's no panic, Shane, at all. There was actually a, a fair Kilkenny connection to the Leinster Intermediate win earlier today. Bray, Bray beat Trim in the, in the Leinster final. And John Henderson, son of the great John, uh, was one of the main men for Bray. So there's Kilkenny connections no matter where, no matter where you go. John, his father, John, John Senior, actually would have put in all the structures in place and they had to make huge strides in the club. And I, I sat down with the two of them last week, actually, father and son, and I'd say uh, I saw champagne flowing in Bray uh, through a few videos today. So <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of Kilkenny people dancing today, but a huge win for them. Uh, that's uh, after Trim beat Dainsford a couple of weeks ago, so they've gotten one back. At least uh, there's not there's not a Kilkenny team with them, but at least there's a Kilkenny connection anyway. Of course, and you no doubt you were keeping an eye on the commercials game against Horswood today. Only a one point victory there for Horswood. Yeah, and they were under pressure. Uh, they were under pressure. They were two nine to nine down. I think coming up to half time, so a huge win for them as well. That's great. Like we're only a couple of weeks out from Christmas, and there's games left, right, and centre. I'm I'm watching two full two full forwards at each end of the pitch run wreck for Karen O'Rahilly. Big Tommy Walsh at one end, and big Mike McMahon at the other. So plenty to keep us uh, plenty to keep us going these cold days. Certainly, they're up against Newcastle West as well. But Newcastle West were leading at half time, four points to three. How's it going in the Munster Men's Club Football Final? 
It was 2-5 to 1-5 just at the last I checked before I came on with you. Uh, Tommy Walsh uh, scored a goal and he set up a goal for Barry John Keane as well. Uh, looked like they were going to run away with it, but Newcastle West came down and got a goal as well. So, yeah, eagerly fought out game there. Um, there's nothing one too easy at this time of the year anyway, as you well know. Yes, I certainly do. Uh, next week is going to prove to be a big week here on KCLR. Of course, we have James Stevens up in Croker on Saturday and another big one, our last live broadcast of the year, Shamrocks versus Bally Gunner. And I guess this is where I kind of wanted to speak to you about it because I've seen online you've been quite vocal about it and you're doing that great podcast uh, on our game and you're discussing all the different things within the GEM. One of the biggest noises that has been created there recently is the timing of the Ballygunner and Shamrocks game. Of course, it's a huge game, a repeat of last year's final that was ended in dramatic circumstances with a Harry Ruddle goal. But to have that on at the same time as arguably the biggest sporting event in the world, the World Cup final, that's on at three. The semi-final is on a half three. Where are you falling on that side? A lot of people seem to be against the GEA on it. Other people seem to be, this is the GEA. It isn't soccer, and this is the way we need to progress. Yeah, listen, uh, there's, probably, there's probably a couple of different couple of different arguments to it. Uh, I just think this is the biggest club game we've had for a long, long time. Last February, when Harry Rudden scored that goal, I think all that would have been on anyone's mind is will these two sides meet again? And if they do, it's going to be an absolute, you know, the showdown of all showdowns. And, you know, it's six for basically, it's, it's going to be going on. Soccer's 90 minutes, hurling is 60. It's going to be going on for the duration of the Rugby World Cup final. And I just think, needlessly, we're losing a massive audience. Like, you want your casual people, casual GA fans that maybe even only follow inter-county GA will fall in and watch this game if it's, you know, if it's at a suitable time. And I just think it's needless to have it when they're having it. Um, they could have potentially had the two All-Ireland Cup semi-finals at the same time earlier on in the day. That has been done many, many times down through the years. Uh, Thomas's and Dunloy has been thrown in at one and a half, one-ish. There's no reason why they, potentially they couldn't have had Bally Hale and Bally Gunner at a separate venue at the same time. That that wouldn't be, you know, that it wouldn't be uh, a big departure to say that because I remember when I was following Burr back in the day, we were playing, you know, we were playing or following All Ireland semi finals that they were in or at the games, and the other semi final was going on at the same time. So we're basically putting the biggest club game in probably the guts of a decade up against, you know, the biggest sporting occasion in the world, and we're going to lose a massive, massive audience as part of it. Listen, for some people would say, Ireland aren't in the, the Soccer World Cup, it's not a big deal, it's not that big of a deal, why should we be changing games? We're not, you know, we're not changing anything necessarily because of the, the Soccer World Cup, just put it on at an earlier time, you know what I mean? It just, I just think it makes more sense Everyone will get to see the game. You will be torn next week. You'll be watching a couple of different screens. I just think there's no there's no need for it really. Particularly a week out before Christmas, they could have had the game played on the Saturday even, or one of the games on the Saturday, one on a Sunday. Um, I just think we're diluting our audience massively, and we're fighting a battle there against the Soccer World Cup that we're just not going to win. Uh, yeah, well, we we discussed maybe having it on the Saturday. Of course, that's when the Camogie finals are being played in Croker. And then we've kind of been looking at maybe different venues, just fantasy booking it, if you will. And you're looking at Thurlis, we know that was ruled out. We were looking at Wexford Park, that's ruled out. And then Netwatch Cullen Park came up and it was like, that would be perfect for uh, Waterford and Kilkenny travelling fans to have it on at the same time as the Dunloy St. Thomas match. But does this go to show maybe a stubbornness from the GEA or just they didn't think about it at all? Yeah, uh, I often think, I remember with that, with the 
remember with the Lee Miller uh, charity game a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I just think sometimes I don't know if they're talking to enough people on the ground. Like uh, you know, if I think if you were involved in the fixture making there, or you know, most people were, they would. I, I you talk to people and you'd look at potential conflicts of interest or potential things that might be on around the same time. And like nothing smart, it only comes around every four years. It doesn't really get much bigger than than the soccer World Cup final. So like I I'd, I'd have had no issue with the games being on at the same time on the Sunday. Um, Netwatch Cullen Park anywhere if, if Semple Stadium was was open and not kind of closed for you know remedial work there that probably potentially maybe I'd say they were looking at this game and how much of a marquee game it was and they were thinking that they needed to have it in a really big stadium but like, there's been all Ireland club semi-finals played in Parnell Park as recently as a couple of years ago so they don't you know they don't really have that you know excuse of a size wise or anything like that and while it is a massive fixture like if you had more than 10,000 that, that would still be a surprise just given the, the size of the localities, the two localities involved. I just, I just, I, I'll be watching it next week, or I'll be covering it hopefully. But I think you're ruling out an awful lot of people that will just tune into the soccer World Cup because they've been following it the whole way through. And to be fair, I haven't tuned into much of it because I'm not a big soccer fan. But I caught a bit in the Argentina and. Uh, Holland game last night and I could see how you could get chucked into it very very easy <laughs> and there's a lot of people who have been following it the whole way through and like there'll be people going out to other, other people's houses to be you know big nights in bars and things like that so or not nights and, and afternoon in a, in a bar so I think we're yeah we're going to really really dilute our audience and like if you go to most pubs around the country we'll just say next Sunday they're going to be showing the Soccer World Cup final that's what the vast majority of the audience that they have in there is going to want to see so I just think we've missed a bit of a trick there we have an awful uh, tendency in the GA to shoot ourselves in the foot and I think we've done it here uh, in this regard unfortunately uh, and I like we keep keep kind of talking about these kind of things that are happening. And I was going to ask you about Colin Fenley's remarks in relation to the post uh, match speech at the All Ireland final and how he felt disrespected. But I kind of wanted to get back to the game in itself and maybe look back at the Kilmacug Croaks game. And we were talking to Michael Walsh, a KCLR analyst, of course, Dixborough manager as well. He mentioned it could be the best thing that could have happened to the Shamrocks. Been run so close in the second half, giving them a kick up the backside for all the world. But they've been kind of Again, these close calls now for the past while. Of course, St. Thomas's ran them close in the semi-final. Mount Leinster Rangers did very well against them as well. How was your reaction to that second half performance? Why do you think it happened? Was it the lack of substitutions? When we talked to Pat Hoban, he said it's very hard to get a message onto the pitch in Crow Park because of the sheer size and there's so much activity going on there. What would be your consensus from someone who is studying the game almost when you're doing up your reports? I'm not sure about the wake-up call because I think they got any wake-up call they needed in that first half an hour against Nathan in the semi-final where exactly. Pat Hoban actually said after that they were bullied, particularly around that middle sector of the, of the pitch. Um, I don't know. It was, it was almost like, I look at it from a Crokes point of view personally at the start, like Crokes struggled to get into the game and probably missed a few chances. Bally Hale probably could have been out of sight even by half-time. But there's been times very on like and very, very on Kilkenny-like in the last couple of years where they've gotten big advantages in games and they've actually left the door open for teams to come back. I was down at that Mount Leinster Rangers game. They were had a, they had a decent cushion, let them back in. Uh, same when they played St. Rhinus in the semi-final last year as well. And then you look on the flip of that, when they played Clock Ballack Hall in that Leinster final, they got a sense of blood after about 20 minutes and they absolutely got put the foot in the throat and they just kept pushing it in as hard as they could and they obliterated them by the end of it all 
Thomas's were probably the better team when they played in the semi-final last year. So I do think Ballyhale are a different team this year compared to last year. I think they've been a lot more, they've generally been a lot more ruthless uh, this year than they were last year. They were pretty ruthless. Stroke and Kenny did exactly what they had to do. Same against Castletown Gagan. Once they got on top against Nace, they did the same. But they just, there seemed to be a lack of energy uh, in that third quarter where literally every time Crokes got the ball, even in their own half, it looked like they were just, they were, I don't know if they were uh, S&C wise or pace wise, they just couldn't stay with them, particularly around that middle sector. I would say uh, Ronan Corcoran was a massive loss in the middle of the park. Yeah. I believe he was out, he was out for uh, the head injury the last day. So hopefully he'll be back available again. He obviously wasn't fit to play the All-Ireland final last year either. So having him back would be huge. Um, not bringing on anybody would also suggest a bit of a lack of trust in, in, you know, what's within the squad and they've been using the squad quite well. It was down at the Castletown Gagan game. They used a lot of players. But when push comes to shove, nobody probably came on the last day when they're thinking there's the need fresh blood here. They need somebody who's going to take the bull by the horns. Uh, and I think a big part of it as well is TJ at the moment, I, I can believe he's carrying a knock and has been carrying a knock for a while. He's probably not able to do the defensive work that he normally would. And, you know, he's, playing more of an attacking role when when they're attacking he's on the ball quite a bit but when they're defending he's probably not able to get around the pitch like he like he usually would or like he'd want to be and that's causing probably a lot of holes as well Paddy Mullen was put on the, on the back foot the last day a lot of players were really really put on the back foot the last day you could say they got a wake up call but I, I'm not I'm not so sure and I, I, I'd probably actually have Bradley Gunner on the basis of their form this year as favourites going into the game and Previous to the Leinster final, I probably would have had Ballyhale as the, as the number one team in the country, but I think that's probably flipped. And the consistency of form of Ballygunner throughout their games, nearly from start to finish, is probably a little more impressive than Ballyhale's at the moment. And and going to Kilmer Crokes as well, because you have to give them massive credit for their second half performance. And like we were even saying at half time, it was almost like, do you still keep covering the game? Because it looked like it was going to be a runaway train. And getting from at one stage in the second half, they let in the, the first three points. And then they were 14 points behind, I believe, got back to a point. And it was just a huge, huge comeback from them. And they really, really dug deep. But from a Dublin perspective and Dublin GAA, like I know we had Kula in 17, 18, and it was a long time before. Before that, I think Crumlin won it as well. But are we going to now start seeing these Dublin teams being a lot, lot more competitive than maybe they would have historically been in maybe the mid-2000s or the 90s? Um, we spoke to John Cannellan before about the money that's gone into that. And there's huge investment there and there's huge uh, sponsorship opportunities for all these teams that are up in Dublin. But are we going to start to see Dublin teams now becoming a bit more of a dominant force as the years go on? It was peculiar. Uh, John Costello's report, uh, the Dublin CEO's report, came out this week, and he bemoaned uh, their cut in funding, uh, and then you know he outlined his reasons why, and you know why the funding cut was a bit disappointing. And then at the end of his report, he thanked all their sponsors, which are more, more let's say, a lot more than the Avonmore, Avonmore or Glanbeard at Kilkenny have. There were seven, there were seven or eight, there were seven or eight different sponsors. So I don't think they'll be they'll be too stuck for money or anything like that. But the type of player that it looks like they're producing at the moment I think Michal Dunu would have been licking his lips looking at that looking at that game the last day looking at the energy they brought to it and no little skill that they brought to the table as well so I think from a like a lot of people were probably writing the 
the epitaph of Leinster Club hurling and Leinster, uh, you know, the Leinster Championship at half time of that game. But Kilmacook Crocs definitely proved that they're going to be around for a long, long time um, at club level. And it's good signs for what Michal Dunne will have to work with in the Leinster Championship next year because, you know, we want, du- we want Dublin pushing the Galways and the Kilkennys and the Wexfords of this world. They obviously, they actually beat Wexford in the Championship last year and ended up not qualifying. But we, we need them to be as competitive as they can. And the likes of Crocs definitely show that there's, there's plenty to work with there. Um, so it's, that, that's exciting kind of going forward, hopefully. And from a Ballyhale point of view, they'll be kept very honest in Leinster over the next couple of years if they do get out with Kilkenny, no doubt about it. Michael, I'm conscious of taking up so much of your time and it's great getting your analysis and your thoughts. There was one thing I wanted to run by you since the, 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 the money situation came up and we know that Limerick have confirmed a, an expenditure of about 2.3 million, nearly 2.3 million. That's eclipsing the previous record that was set this year by Galway, was, who became the first inter-county site to get over 2 million. Huge money has been put into the game down in Limerick and they're certainly reaping the rewards of it. Oh, they definitely are. The only it's a bit of it's a bit worrying that it's turned into a bit of a runaway train, and it has been in recent years. Like they're fairly eye-watering amounts of money. Um, you know, you're you're saying they beat the previous record, which was you know announced the week before that. You know, next year it's going to be one team is going to you know list their expenditure, and then another is going to top it, and another is going to top it, and it's probably going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Listen, I don't know if you can put a cap on inter-county spending, but if you look at it, the inter-county calendar was probably a good bit shorter last year, probably the guts of about six to eight weeks shorter than any previous year. Uh, and in comparison to Galway, who are competing at the latter stages of the football championship, latter stages of the hurling championship, and in both minors, you know, latter stages of both minor and under 20 in both codes as well. It was Limerick hurlers that were competing at the latter stages. The footballers got to a Munster final, all right. And, you know, some of their underage teams are competitive, particularly their under 20s getting all the way to a final. But they wouldn't have gone as far into most championships as, as Galway would have. And yet the expenditure is a fair, is a fair bit higher. Um, just wonder where the end is going to be to that, those kind of numbers. But at the end of the day, they do have probably pretty good finance behind them and they have you know a massive, massive supporter in JP McManus as well. It's just I, I'd be a bit worried about where it's going to go in the next couple of years. And I saw the, the GPA and the GA are trying to come to an agreement of, you know, inter-county teams training potentially four times a week. That would probably help to put a cap on that again if it's adhered to a lot of the time, like the winter training ban. You would have heard anecdotally from different teams around the country that were back doing bits and pieces collectively long before that ban. So um, long before their, you know, their time was, was ready to come back officially. So, I just think it's a bit worrying that the, the, the sums of money is a bit worrying. Um, I just and I don't see any end of that or that stopping anytime soon unless unless it's addressed by by the GA hierarchy and hopefully it will be. We're going to have a new president probably in early next year. Um, Jared Burns is probably the front runner at the moment, and I'd imagine that would be something that uh, that he would probably go after. Yeah, it's a very interesting, precarious time, especially when you're on the receiving end of an All-Ireland loss as well from Kilkenny. But Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and getting to your insight. Uh, I suppose you might have a bit of respite tomorrow now or races at Punchestown being called off. Yeah, Cork is, Cork is still on tomorrow the, and the champion chase winner in Ergamin is... is uh is racing down there at the moment it's, it's still on anyway but uh, listen I'm sure I'll find something to keep myself amused anyway no doubt about it the Ulster Club football final tomorrow the Glen and Kilcoo that should be interesting as well so kick the feet up in front of the fire and enjoy some sort of sport anyway Michael absolute pleasure again to talk to you thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us here at Scoreline
Michael Verney there uh, from uh, the Irish Independent Sport Journalist, co-presenter of the Throw-In Podcaster and on our game. You can see regularly how all of his stuff generally goes viral, it has to be said, because he has a very, very good knowledge of all things sports, particularly the GAA. We're going to take a quick ad break there. There's lots more still to come. Don't go anywhere. Disturbing, upsetting news uh, coming out there recently in regards to an All-Ireland medal. It was the 1948 Waterford All-Ireland medal won by the late Dahi Depor and was stolen from his daughter's residence in Glenbreen in Enniscorthy on November 25th last. Now, the Gardaí are investigating the burglary and... At their suggestion, the family have engaged in public media campaigns to see if they can locate the medal and hopefully have it returned. If anyone has any details they think may help, please see, uh, uh, we'll give out the information on our website and you can contact Shun on a contact number if she wishes to give it out herself. But I'm delighted to be joined on the line, despite the circumstances, by Soon O'Mahony. Soon, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the air. No doubt it's a topic that's quite close to your heart as well. Uh, the 1948 All-Ireland Medal for anybody that has ever won any medal, let alone an All-Ireland Medal. It must be incredibly difficult for you to kind of relay the story. It is, yeah, it is. Look, we had a break-in in my home on Friday the 25th of November. The house was vacant just between 4pm and 6.30pm. And somebody broke in through our sitting room window, broke the lock, entered the house and went straight to the main bedroom and helped themselves to jewellery. Mainly earrings and a chain, but unfortunately they took my father's All-Ireland medal. It just sounds absolutely devastating. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. The medal is a really, really treasured Memory of my father, Dahi de Poyer, and yes, it's an All-Ireland hurling medal, but it epitomises the man that he was. He was a staunch GA man in Waterford. Um, played club initially with Mount Sine, but he was from Portlaw, and it was while he was playing for Mount Sine that he played with Waterford in 1948. When he finished hurling, he got very involved in his hometown in Portlaw in the club and developed a lovely pitch in Portlaw. Anybody who's still playing hurling, they'll tell you Portlaw is a lovely place to visit. The club field and the surroundings are just really well. And my father was one of the founders of that pitch. He was also very involved with the county board. He served as treasurer for 19 years. Um, huge GA man. Every county match I'd say he was at, never missed one. I'd say he was at every club match in the county and he was hugely involved. And for those reasons, the medal was just, it was not a piece of jewellery. It was a memento for us of the man our father was. It sounds... Like the, the reverence that you have for them when you're speaking of them and these people are littered throughout the GEI community and not everybody gets to have their, their day out at Croker and on that day back in 1948 going up against Dublin on the 5th of September that's that's like a crescendo of all the work that you're putting in 
to get to that stage and then to not only get to that stage but to win an All-Ireland medal that's kind of a vindication for a life spent dedicating to yourself on a voluntary basis It is, yeah and my father gave it on the day but not alone did he give it on the day he gave it right throughout his life for GA it just meant so much to him and I suppose he instilled that in all of his five children um, Anya Shun, Blanet, Dahi and Rory, just this absolute love for the GA and what it means to you as a person, a sense of community, a sense of pride, all those lovely things that the GA has done for us down through the years. And was it something that you would kind of look at and reflect on to remind you of the man that your father was? Absolutely, absolutely. I am I am the custodian of the medal. Um, I was going to matches with my father from a very young age. I was always travelling with him wherever he was going. I was at the matches as treasurer of the county board. I sat at our table at home while he was treasurer. I counted money. I sorted checks. I filed invoices. It was everything that he did for the GA, and this is what the medal meant for us. It wasn't a piece of jewellery. It has nothing to do with um, the jewellery. It just signified the man that he is. Yeah, it's not a monetary value uh, thing for, for, for people. Absolutely not. No, it was all about what this meant for him. And that's the loss that we're experiencing. It's a violation of his memory that this medal has been taken from my home. So considering that it doesn't have monetary value and it's an absolutely horrendous thing to have anybody's home violated in that manner, but to do so and to take something that is so reflective of your relationship with your father, no doubt it must hurt. So considering the the campaign that has been led and the groundswell of support, have you have any information in regards to what its possible location or to what maybe possibly happened or who perpetrated this? We don't. All we know is that there was another robbery locally here, another house in our area was robbed as well. It seems that gold was what the perpetrators were looking for because any jewellery other than gold was left behind. So they, it was obviously taken as something that they thought might have a monetary value on it. Like these medals are very rare but they have huge significance. It would be very difficult to dispose of a medal like this. And I suppose then, if, from a legal perspective, maybe the Gardaí have informed you of what happens. Like, if this happens to go to a gold store or a pawn, pawn shop, are they immediately notified that this is a, an item that has been illegally obtained? Well, the Gardaí would tell me that they would be notifying all those that they would know that would deal in jewellery and things like this of this theft. We fortunately have very good photographs of the medal. Um, We were doing a thing for the family. They're over lockdown where we were putting together a commemoration of the 1948 team. We were gathering information and we had done a little we had done a picture for ourselves, for each of us to have in our own home of the 48 team and a picture of the medal, a clear picture. 
Um, I would have sons that play hurling in Wexford. I have nephews that play hurling in Waterford. And we were keeping this man's memory alive within our family. And we're they're all partaking of the game and they're all hugely attached to it and feel very proud that they had a grandfather that was so involved in the GAA. I have no doubt about it. And speaking of the of, of a photograph of such a relic of time in Irish history, I, I, I can see, or we were previously watching when we heard that we would have the opportunity to speak to you, some footage from that final in itself where the immortal John Keane happened to score three goals on the day and it was a huge victory against Dublin. Would something like that, would you be able to look back and reflect and smile and see your father in action? Yeah, we would. My father didn't play on All-Ireland Day. He was injured, but he had played in the Munster final. And there are some very good reports on that match. My father was very proud Waterford man. And like he veneered, he, you know, he had reverence to everybody who played on the day. And All-Ireland medals are very, very cherished in Waterford. They don't come to us too often. We work as hard as every other county to get there. Um, and we don't seem to be able to get there as successfully as others. But that doesn't mean that Waterford people haven't the same passion, haven't the same dedication, or put in the same effort. It was it was the first of two there for Waterford, uh, nineteen forty-eight and nineteen fifty-nine. I assume is there a people is there information that you're giving out where people can get in touch if they happen to come across this or they hear any type of leads that may lead to the bringing back that medal in itself. Look, anybody that has any information, we implore of them to please make contact. They can do it through the guard, the confidential line if they wish, or if they don't want to go that way, they can contact any GA club in the country. It's very clearly marked on the medal, Port Larrigan, 1948. If anybody comes across this, they can hand it in to any GA club nationwide. And it will find its way back to Waterford and the county board in Waterford will find it back here to where it was taken from. Well, hopefully that does happen sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for coming on the air and regaling us of tales of your dad's triumphs throughout the GAA. And it's just one story that could be reflected amongst thousands of people, but not everybody has their chance to be awarded an All-Ireland medal. And hopefully it gets to return to where it rightly belongs. Look, thanks very much for taking the time for contacting us and we're particularly looking for the help of all those that feel as passionately as we do about the GA to help us and assist us and circulate our poster as far and wide as possible and help us get this medal back please and we'll have it up online on our social media very very soon soon thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk to us thanks very much thank you Thank you. Soon O'Mahony talking to us about her father's 1948 Waterford All-Ireland medal that was stolen from her residence in Glenbreen, Enniscorthy. If you have any information that could lead to that returning to its rightful home, please get in contact with the Gardaí or your local GAA club. Might just give us an idea of exactly what went on on the day. Um, 
it was a junior B semi-final, the hurling match, um, so it was, and the um, incident occurred kind of after the game. Um, I was approached by one of the players from the team and um, probably didn't like my decisions during the game or whatever, um, and kind of bailed off onto the field. Uh, before I knew it, I was struck, was struck into the chest by this uh, by the individual. Like, Wow. And... So from that incident, then you you go. You obviously, I'm, I'm sure somebody has intervened and, and and kind of taken them away to the side, have they? Yeah, they're they're their own players. Their own players took them to the side, like so and they did, and they they came back and apologised, you know. And yeah, it was just a, it was just a very sad incident to happen, kind of like. You yeah, know? but it's like to be fair, James. You know, and uh, you know, my sympathies are with you for for an incident like that happening to you. You know, I know the old saying of no referees, no games. I'm no angel myself on the side of the pitch, as every referee in Kilkenny at this stage could testify to. <laughs> if they were asked to appear in court and defend me, I'd say I wouldn't have too many. But Eddie, I'm no angel myself when I'm on the sideline, <laughs> so I know where you're coming from, too. Like, but no, yeah, but it's no, like like an incident like this. The one thing that always comes out in my own head is the vulnerability. How vulnerable a referee is at a match especially if you're up in someone else's grounds refereeing a match between whether it's the Shamrocks of Enniscorty against the Rapparees or whoever it is you're in their home parish you're up there refereeing the game decisions don't go the way they feel and next thing you have an incident like this like the referees are in a terrible vulnerable position um, and these incidents yeah. just have to be stamped out yeah it's we are we are in, we are in a, a vulnerable position but sometimes do we leave ourselves in this vulnerable position? Do you know? Do you know where I'm coming from too? You know, um, we we try we try to do it the best we can. Um, like I'm very lucky. I have great umpires with me. They're 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 very good to come to underage games with me. So I kind of have a little bit of backup uh, as into like it's not my word versus your words. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? I can go in and I can talk to my umpires. Where whereas probably some referees are not as lucky to kind of have that element uh, with them like you know what I mean they, they can't they mightn't have umpires to be going to games with them like we probably don't have enough um, referees going helping referees if you know what I mean yeah no 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 100% do you, do you know what I'm saying so like uh, just I'm just taking you for instance you're on the line you can talk to the linesman you know what I mean to feed into us or you know what I mean vice versa like you know what I mean so we can give out information to you instead of us shouting across the field at managers which doesn't look good and probably winds managers up too like do, do you know what I'm saying there? Yeah I do like because I want to touch on it cause, and, I, and I won't drag it out of it but like I find sometimes in games James and I know there's an education system after been put in place in Wexford um, and I want to come to that in a second and just see if there's been yeah. improvements but if you're refereeing a game for us and I've been involved in incidents on the line where I've said to linesmen can you have a word with him and just say to him you know just something simple like you know the free count is weighing up here or there might be a couple of instances where I'd say to the linesman come on you can see that he's getting this call wrong will you say it and in general the linesman says to me no no he's he's the ref I'm not getting involved and yeah. that winds up people on the line as much as anything else yeah I, I, I sometimes I'd like to know what um, how involved the linesman we should get involved like you know what I mean we are there to officiate too and we probably should be putting our arm up and saying but like, like, you, like you, you, you said about yourself James like you're going linesman doing linesman at a championship match for argument's sake James Owens or Eamon Furlong or Sean Clare whoever it is is in the middle of the park and you're on the line like you know when he, he, may, he makes the wrong call could you see yourself throwing the flag up and letting him know um, and I don't mean that and I'm not being hard now on yeah, you yeah I 
and uh, no, and and you'd like to radio it in, like you know what I mean. And yeah, but you it's... feel like you're undermining other people that are. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, 100 percent. Because I, like, I've no issue with it. It's a hard question, and it is a real hard question that you're asking. And I know where you are coming from, from uh, manager's point of view too, which is which is a very good question. Yeah, no, so see, maybe we have to look at that too, like. But see, the thing is, James, if you're if you're the ref and there's an yeah. incident and you're not sure you jog over to the linesman and say did you see that Eddie or did you see that Robbie and that's fine 100% yeah 100% but on the other side of it is you know should the linesman and I'm not saying it's going to deviate anything else it's just going to improve the referee and if the linesman were maybe given more you know I, I, authority I don't even, well not even a t- you know just give him more kind of platform to say look you yeah. have to get engaged you have to get involved you know at at this level now where you have championship level I'm not on about junior B hurling matches and club games and the whole lot but I'm on about at the the, the thick end of the stick championship matches quarterfinals semifinals finals big games the linesman should be communicating with the referee solid yeah. and, and the referee should be welcoming that communication yeah, uh, like yet again, I'll go back to I. I'm first lucky in Wexford that there is very good lads that are around me, and um, that are well able to tell me if I am doing something wrong. Now that's just me. Maybe it might vary to other counties or whatever, but I know in Wexford they they're fairly they're fairly good with me. Like you know what I mean? And we like to think it works both ways, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and- I'm not just saying it because. I have to say it. It is actually genuine that I am saying it. Like they actually are very good. There's, there's lads I won't name that are very good to me. Like you know what I mean. And yeah. I, I like to be very good to them too. Like you know. No, no. And I think it's 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 vital for the game. The other thing before I let you go, James, is yeah. Since the incidents that happened, obviously the incident in Roscommon was, um, it was heavily broadcasted at the time I think it was, it was a Nocton man got, got, got a headbutt or something along them lines it was a, it was a, a horrific incident uh, and he got an awful um, injury from it and yourself but there's been a few but since then in Wexford I remember um, Martin Michal Martin and, and the committee in Wexford put in a programme where every club had to sign up to to do this kind of an education respect the referee programme I think if I'm not mistaken this is this is what Wexford GA have done isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, and and they have, and it seems like it's it's worked. Do you know what I mean? As in, like, people are just not pulled in because my Tommy is on the team. Jez, are you going and manage him? But now we kind of have it. It's a small structure. It has to start out small, as you know yourself. It's not going to be. Jez, we have to have two hundred rules laid out for this man coming in. If you start in, if you start in the small um, building and work its way up, you know everyone gets educated along the line, referees included. Do you know what I mean? Like we should all we should all be on the structure. You know, like what what Wexford are bringing forward for the um, clubs referees should know what uh, the involvement, what the clubs are going through. So at least we know what's going on. Then do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. And I, I seems like I'm oh, no, like I'm saying it again. It's not just because I'm in Wexford, but it actually seems like Wexford are actually putting in a very good structure. We probably shouldn't go through it just yet because it's not finalised. But like what they're doing at the moment is they're actually bringing in very good steps, which I can see um, broadening, you know. Yeah, one of the things I see in Kilkenny, I don't know if it's straight through the whole GA because I can only speak for what I can see in, in front of me. And that's where they've got, at some of the underage games that I've watched in my own club, Blacks and Whites, I've noticed that the referee is like 15 or 16 years of age. And I've I've said it to the lads, like, is he a bit young to be referee in the game? And they were like, no, no, this is the idea that we'd bring one of the under-16s to referee this under-12s game or one of the under-14s, you know, so that they'd be getting a bit of an education on the rules and also at yeah. the same time. I think it, you know, I think it just... They learn very quickly that you know it's 
they're human. I'm not sure if that's the reason or if it's to try and encourage referees, but it's something that I've seen as very, very young guys refereeing the younger underage games. I see, I seen them in in Wexford and see them in Kildare when I, where I'm from and stuff like that. I seen them, in, you know, they're doing go games and you know them kind of games, you know. But like, and and it seems to work, you know. And it does seem to work, but it hopefully, hopefully, you can, that's a very good idea. What you just said there about Kilkenny now, but uh, the under 14s and that kind of teams doing it, like you know. Yeah, I just, I just, I think it's it's like everything else. Monkey see, monkey do, and it's the same with clubs as well. If there's elements in their crowd misbehaving, the club should deal with it. It shouldn't have to be the referee or anybody else. They should be saying, "Hold oh, on a second, you're representing yeah. us." No, that's true, and you're 100 percent right there. Like, and it is like. That's, that's just the way it is No, sure. look Jimmy, thanks a million for taking my call on hey, a Friday evening Yeah, thanks very much for ringing me No problem at all, anytime Good man, and best of luck with the rest thanks. of the referee and hopefully I'll be talking to you again very soon No problem, thanks Eddie Cheers, that Mind is of course Thanks Thank you, that is of course James Heavey there referee involved in that incident in Wexford earlier in the year and it's great to hear that they feel that the, that the game is improving big time as well since the incident and James himself is a very, very good referee and, and hopefully he can keep going on in his career from Carlo LGFA as we look to head for an exciting year in the county on football and reflecting back on 2022. Donald, how are you doing, sir? How are you doing, Shane? Great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. I heard you were over in the UK anyway. Did you get caught up and embroiled in all the World Cup sentiment? No, no, I stay away from all that if I can. Uh, I, w- I was delayed for about six hours at the airport. Oof. That was no fun, but thankfully got home anyway. Lovely, safe and sound. And you're looking at a safe and sound year as well, Donald. Before we look forward, we'll look back on 2022. There was an All-Ireland semi-final defeat to Antrim for the junior side. But is there a sense that was a year of progress? I think so, yeah. It was, you know, it was... Uh, it was good having Ed Burke there again, and we have him again here for uh, for next year. So, um, as as manager of the of the ladies team, and you know, yeah, we think we think we'll probably go into twenty twenty three in 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 slightly better shape than we were last year. We have some players back, um, that had been unavailable, and we have obviously Clean and Nihay back uh, from injury. And you know, we're looking into twenty twenty three with two players that were on the on the all on the all stars junior team as well. So that's brilliant having uh, you know Rachel Sawyer and uh, and Sarah Doyle both you know two two excellent footballers two uh, two excellent forwards as well to you know to, to strengthen up that forward line with uh with cleaning the hair back as well so yeah no we're looking forward to 2023 we think we're uh, we think we're putting all the different uh stepping stones into place for the for the management team and for the girls you know we have a signed up a partnership with UPMC you know a very exciting partnership as well for for 2023 and the girls have already done a lot of their testing and their baseline concussion testing and stuff like that so you know they're um I think players are getting you know really well looked after at the moment so it's uh yeah it's it's taking shape yeah yeah, I was going to get, we spoke to Sarah Doyle there recently and uh, Rachel Sirescher, she's up on billboards and everything around the place promoting it. But right. I was going to say that, you know, making the team of the year for 2022, I know it's an individual accolade and every time you speak to someone on a on a personal level, especially when we spoke to Sarah, she was saying, you know, it's nice to get an individual award, but, you know, it's all about the team effort and everything like that. But it is a really nice way to end the season, isn't it? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I was at the awards myself, and you know, it it is it really is nice that the that there is such a, a fuss made about all those players. Like you know, there's some excellent players there in 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 that junior championship, and um, it's brilliant to have two of our own up there on it as well. Like, and they're you know they're every bit as good as any of the rest of them. You know, um, so yeah, no, it's good. It's 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 a, it's a huge achievement for the girls, and you know, we're very proud of them. You know. 
Um, you know, we just had our AGM actually last week uh, for 2022, and it was nice. It was nice that they were mentioned and recognised at it as well. And it was kind of a, it was a first in a long time. You know, it was the first AGM that that we didn't have Kathleen, Kathleen Mullins at it. Obviously, who passed away in the past while, in the past you know few weeks. Yeah, she was she was a huge huge person in the in the, in the ladies football circles in in Carlo in Leinster all over Ireland very well respected lady and, and you know a, a huge loss to Carlo football Carlo ladies football and you know all the Mullins family as well Fran would have been uh, very much involved as well and stay, still is on on on, on at Leinster level as well so and he's our Carlo Leinster delegate so you know there were a, a huge family and it was you know it was it was a, it was a sad it was a sad AGM to, you know for Kathleen not to be there yeah, um, like we reported on it when it happened as well, and you can sense the grief coming out of everybody involved with uh, ladies Gaelic football and and beyond as well within the county. Um, speaking yeah. of the AGM in itself, uh, Donald, um, you mentioned the UPMC partnership there. It, anything else of note coming from it? Uh, well, we've uh, we're still uh, have uh, more environmental, you know, an excellent local Carlo company. Uh, John Moore and his team there have agreed to come back in with us again for next year to sponsor the adult team, and that's brilliant. Um, it's brilliant having having local companies supporting, you know, the county team. We have, you know, John McGrath's team over in Tell Labs in Tullow are uh, involved with the adult championships as well. And again, they've been great, great partners with us over over the past couple of years. So it's, uh, no, it, it's great that we have those, you know, good companies coming in and, and, and supporting us and, and, and seeing that we have, I guess, a, you know, a good product and, and, and something that they want to, uh, they want to be involved in. So, you know, we're, you know, we're delighted with that. Uh, and other than that, I would say, yeah, from the AGM, uh, most of the officers are still, still in place. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to get off these boards when you get onto them, as you, as you might know. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things. Um, but no, no, things seem to be heading in the right direction. You know, the, County teams are all back in training again now and we're trialling at all the different age groups and, you know, we'd over 100 girls in trialling for the under-14s, you know, in the past couple of weeks. Obviously, there have been a couple of those trials cancelled because of this particularly bad weather, but, you know, to have over 100 girls coming in is just fantastic. Like, you know, it's a new it's a new level for us and we're, you know, we're delighted to be there. We have under-16s trialling as well and minors and our adult girls will be back training a few weeks now and play the challenge again this morning. So, you know... Um, it's supposed to be the quiet time of the year, but I guess it's the you know it's the time you have to focus on the county teams and getting things in place, you know, to have things ready for for twenty twenty three. Certainly, and getting people ready for beyond as well. You mentioned the trials there, and we know that you had some open training sessions in November uh, at an under sixteen level as well. So, how yeah. has that been going? How's the underage grade been in in general? Yeah, no, it's been really good. You know, like, you know, last year we had huge numbers in under 14, so they're transferring on. But the number under 14 numbers have even increased even more this year. And we thankfully, we've held on to a lot of the under 14s that were there last year that are now into the under 16 age group. So, yeah, big numbers in under 16 as well. It's going to be it's going to be a headache to get that down to, a you know, to a, a, a panel that you can travel with, you know. Um, you know, we do hope to have uh, development squads as well at those age groups, 14s and 16s, especially because it's it's obviously a... You know, once you get past, you know, 16s, you know, you see an awful lot of drop off in, in, in ladies sports and in, and, and, and in men's as well. But we want to focus on trying to hold on to many of those girls as we can possibly, you know, not just at county level, but, you know, to develop them as players and develop them as, you know, as kids that we can, you know, even if they never play county when they get older, that they can become better footballers when they go back to their clubs and stuff. You know, it's uh, it's uh 
it's 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 part of our remit, so it's something we, you know we take very seriously. Certainly, and uh, going back to the senior side of things, then as well, like the LGFA in general seems to be riding a, a crest of a wave, and it's fantastic getting to see the 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 money that has been brought in from sponsorships from huge international corporations such as Lidl and I mentioned Rachel being on billboards and, and different things like that. How important is it then or is there a sense of urgency within the camp to step up to the intermediate grade? Is there like maybe a worry that there's going to be a linger in the junior championship and it may be harder to continue um, without the, the, the progression to the intermediate grade? I know, you know, we think we're in a, we think we're in a good place, and we're we're putting all the right things in place, you know, to be to be in a position. That's all you can do is put your put your teams and your management in positions that can be competitive. And we think we're going to be competitive again this year. You know, it's it's still, you know, there's no. You know, there's no uh, foregone conclusions in any championship or in any sport. So, you know, teams come down from the intermediate as well to the junior, which uh, every year makes the junior, you know, uh, uh, equally competitive. You know, it's like just because uh, Antrim have gone up now doesn't make that, you know, junior championship any weaker. And there's, you know, there's going to be a job of work to do there. And, uh, you know, the players know that. And the players are, are working really hard. Like, and we're, you know, we're, you know, we're delighted to see that there's so many, so many, uh, uh, Carlo players willing to come in and, and and put a big effort in into the in, into the county setup, you know, um, and you know for 2023, I think we'll be in. I, I think we'll be in good stead. You know, we have uh, we have the players. I think to do it, we have been close to making Croke Park. We'll say uh, a couple of times in the past few years. So you know, we're hoping just to go the next step, at least get to Croke Park, and then you know, when you're in a final, who knows what can happen? You know. <laughs> We had uh, Carlo representation in Croke Park yesterday. Jonathan Murphy was referring there as well, and, and, and Pamela Hayden from All Auckland were was, was doing the sideline in Croke Park. So it was nice to see them there, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll give the fixtures people a headache that they won't be looking at Carlo refs if we have a Carlo team in the final. You know, sure we had Paul O'Dwyer up there uh, not so long ago as That's well. Right. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in terms, of, you mentioned Antrim uh, going up, and it's not going to be any easier. We know have officially that Kilkenny will have an adult ladies Gaelic football team competing in the National Football League as well. How great is it to say to have another county participate? And we know that when we spoke to John Leamy and Elena Byrne saying that there were, I know you're on the different side of the, of, of the league, but you're going to have some friendly matches and stuff against each other. Having another team uh, uh, like so close where you can have those challenge matches is quite good. No, I'm I'm delighted to see Kilkenny back in uh, back in the in, in in the league in the championship. Like it means it means first of all that there's going to be a junior championship at Leinster as well. Like Carlo will play against Kilkenny in that, uh, but also Carlo will compete in the intermediate as well. You know, we, we did that last year. We opted to go into the intermediate as well because we want to get you know get the girls a number of really competitive games. And we've you know we've drawn more or less the same teams again this year for the intermediate Leinster Championship uh, with in Kildare, Wexford, and Longford, and they were they were excellent games for us. But as regards to Kenny, Kenny being back in, I'm delighted to see them back in. I know like lots of counties ourselves included would have you know lots of uh, competition from let's say other codes, and it's it, it's great it's great to see Kenny back there again. We know that they put in a lot of work over there as well to you know to get to get Kenny ladies football up and going. They're very strong at club level anyway. We've seen that. And we know that there wouldn't be much between Carlo and Kenny. When those Kenny girls get going, there'll be a there'll be a handful for anybody, you know. I'm certainly sure of it as well. Uh, also, good news coming out in relation to the merger of the the GEA, the Camogie Association, and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, taking a big step there recently, where um, 
it was announced the former president of Ireland, Mary McAleese, will be coming in as an independent chairperson of the, the whole integration process between the three groups. We know that Mary McAleese obviously has a huge reverence amongst the whole of Ireland as well, but it's great to have her involved in such a monumentous decision and a monumentous amalgamation. Yeah, no, it's brilliant to see someone of that stature involved. Like, um, I think Mary Mary McAleese had a had a I think a a, a mantra of, of building bridges or whatever when she was during her presidency, and I'd, she'll probably need all those skills again. I think I think there's a lot of things to be ironed out there, but you know, to to bring all the codes together. But it's, it's brilliant to have a number one. It's brilliant to have a lady involved in it, someone of that of that level of respect that people would have for her. And, and and there will be a lot of work to be done there, I think, to get uh, to get things um, where they'll be at to a stage that'll be satisfactory for everybody. But like, listen, we're all we're all GA people, you know, and we're all under the GA umbrella, and we're and we're very proud of that. And uh, you know, I do think it, it shows how, how seriously it's been taken when we have someone like Mary McAleese coming in. It's, it's fantastic, yeah. And we know you're all taking it seriously there. And we've talked to Car- or Ed Burke over the past year, and we'll continue to keep up to date with everything that's happening. But Donald, thanks ever so much for being so considerate with your time and giving us a rundown on everything that's happening in the Carlo LGFA world. Yeah, I suppose, Shane, just before I go, we are looking for a partner to get involved with our Juvenile Championship. If there's anybody out there listening that would be interested in getting involved in a, in a really good product, our Juvenile Championship has huge number of players and families involved so if there's anyone out there or companies that be inter- interested in getting involved just look us up there or give, me, or give me or myself or Colin Doyle or someone involved with uh, Carlo Ladies Football a shout and we'd be more than delighted to to entertain you Fantastic I'll put that up on the website during the week Donald thanks ever so much for your time sir That's brilliant Shane thank you Donald Nolan Carlo LGFJ Secretary just looking ahead at uh, what could be a potentially very exciting year in football in the county and reflecting back on 2022 we're going to take a quick ab break there 0833069696 the dinner's ready dot ie contact line if you want to send us a message but a bit of Christmas music on the way And let's give a big welcome back to a man who's joining us live. He's down in Limerick, but we won't hold it against him. There's no show like a Joe show. It's Mr. Joe Sheehan. Joe, how are you, sir? I'm absolutely fantastic, Shane. It's great to be back, although we had a, I'm on my way home and the connectors like we had a bit of snow on Zurich and then when we came back to Ireland, it was absolutely freezing. <laughs> after, coming, after coming back from 30 degrees in the desert, I'm delighted to be home. There's nothing like Ireland. No place like home and I'm delighted to be back. I'm delighted to be chatting to a legend like yourself. Ah, you're, you're some man. You're some man. Now, just talking about, uh, you're living out in the Middle East as well. You're giving your reports live from Dubai, as we like to say. But at the same time, there's something else happening out in the Middle East. It's the World Cup and we know Qatar isn't too far away from the United Arab Emirates how's things going out there is there a bit of a kind of blow over from people going from the World Cup uh, there's some buzz over there at the minute so in Dubai at the moment there's fan zones McGettigans have a massive fan zone over there at the moment and there's a couple of dozen of them and uh, they're just massive areas the Coronas were actually playing last week in the McGettigans fan zone 10 15,000 people Absolute buzz of the place, unbelievable. So because Qatar is only like an hour flight away from Dubai, you have a huge, huge amount of people travelling from Dubai to Qatar. Might only just go on for one night and then come back down and spend a couple of more nights in Dubai or even a week or two. Is there much so Irish Dubai, over there? Pile of them. Don't you know the Irish? <laughs> they get around. Did you see your man with the Jess Fion Baguette? I certainly did. He, uh, we play, we play hurling with him. He's some character. He was, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he he got a lot of lot of traction with that. That was that was ten to mine with him and his Irish jersey. Yeah, he plays hurling with us in Dubai. So yeah, you, you can start out an interview with him for me, so. 
Absolutely, chalk it down. Anything for you. <laughs> uh, t- talking about chalking it down, a lot of fixtures were chalked down to be happening tonight in the Greyhound world, unfortunately, due to the weather. We know that Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium, Tom Kinnan got onto us here and let us know that the fixtures are going to be rescheduled for next week. And then some bad news coming out of Limerick tonight. Yeah, last last night we had a fantastic card in Kilkenny, which was called off to, to the Frost. And tonight we are getting ready for the Matchbook Betting Exchange Irish Head Ledger final. 30,000 euro to the winner of this one. And just at 3pm today, the decision was taken with the interest of the welfare of the Greyhounds at heart to postpone the meeting. So it looks like it's going to be next weekend. We're waiting for a final decision, but it looks like it's going to be postponed until next weekend, which is a pity, but at least we have a full week to look forward to, to cracking event and a fantastic undercard as well so really looking forward to it and I'm playing a couple of tunes well I'm, I'm still playing at the track tonight because the restaurant is open but I'll be playing after racing again when the matchbook betting exchange Irish and Ledger final night happens in Limerick so if you want to bring on a few hooligans from Kilkenny to uh, <laughs> To paint the town in Limerick, we'll, we'll be more than delighted to welcome you. We'll take some of that two three two point three million that Limerick have spent on GEA, and we'll take it and we'll go go ahead with. Um, it, now, Joe, just just in regards to the the, the welfare of the animals, it, it, does that involve like the actual racing itself or the travelling? Is it is it the fact that the track isn't suited to this kind of weather, or is it actually the travelling and getting the the dogs to the track? First and foremost is the welfare of the greyhound. So when when the frost gets into the sand, the track just comes a bit harder, and it makes it more adds to the risk really of of, of injury when the track is harder from the frost, just the hard ground. And although track maintenance teams all around the country do do their utmost, uh, just that that decision was taken in a number of tracks. Just when the management weren't happy that the temperatures were were kind to them and, and their preparations for the night's race and they just made the decision in the interest of welfare. So mainly 99% is for the main for the welfare of the greyhound and obviously travelling too. We know a lot of greyhound people come from well, rural parts of Ireland as well which makes travel that bit more dangerous. So obviously that plays certainly plays a part but first and foremost is the welfare of the greyhound and that will always take precedence overall. So it's a pity but look the main thing is that we still have these fixtures to look forward to. There's a cracking night of action in Kennedy next Friday with the Mickey O'Sullivan Memorial and Abbott's on the race and the final cracking results last week. 28-53 win in, uh, in one of the heats of that and we've got to look forward to next week and also the matchbook betting exchange Irish at Ledger. So still, although it's a pity, it's good to still have a, to look forward to next week. It certainly is. Uh, lots to look forward to. Now, we, we know on the political spectrum side of things, there was some kind of uh, news that was put out by various different TDs. You won't name them or anything like that, but are various different political parties that have things to say about the racing industry. One described it as shameful, the money that goes into it from the government. However, there is a different perspective on that. Absolutely. And to be honest, Shane, I, I'm blessed to be part of the Rayon industry and I came into it from a family that none of my family were actually into greyhounds I came into it about 15 or 16 from going racing with my neighbour and I count myself very privileged and lucky to be part of the industry it's a wonderful industry, there's fantastic people in it, fantastic decent salt of the earth people, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to say I have fantastic friends in the game up and down the country who, who would do anything for you and I'm blessed to be part of it the people who I have witnessed speaking about the industry, oftentimes these are people who don't know people involved they haven't taken the time to fully educate themselves, they read a headline, a sensationalist headline and make their decision based on that. I've always encouraged anyone with an alternative opinion of the game that offer them kennel visits so there's plenty of trainers around who would be more than happy to show these people 
just how well these greyhounds are cared for. Again, if you want your animal to perform at the top level, they have to be given the best of everything, the best of food, the best care and the best attention. And I can show you that these greyhounds are treated in a fantastic way. Of course, every sport has their number of bad eggs, but the people who I have seen who are calling for this sport to have their funding reduced, etc., are, are those who, who sometimes don't seem to know an awful lot about what they're talking about, in my opinion. And I encourage anyone whose mind is not made up to just go to the track. Tom Kinnan there is the manager, can he give him a buzz, tell him you want to see the kennel, see the layout, see what happens on the night, and, and every track in the country will be more than happy to accommodate people. Just come in and educate yourself. But I, I, that's my mentor to people, is just have a look at the game, educate yourself, chat to the people who are involved, and then make up your decision. You know, if you want to make an informed decision about something, you just have to go that extra mile and just do do a bit of research before you you you'd come to a conclusion. And that's my, I wouldn't try to to sway anybody either way. Just I always say educate yourself. And sometimes the people shouting loudest out the industry are people who haven't taken that step further to do the bit of research. I would say, in my, in my own opinion, it's a fantastic industry. One I'm very very proud to be part of. And it's fantastic to see the amount of fundraising nights and charity benefits events. Millions and millions of euro are raised year in year out across all the tracks in the country. Kilkenny are doing a fantastic job at the moment with a number of GAA fundraisers and charity fundraisers. It's fantastic to see the amount of lives this industry benefits and, and especially those amongst the elderly generation who might be their, own, their only social outlet for the week is a night out at the dogs. And it's a fantastic industry and I know so many brilliant people in, in the game I'm blessed to be a part of it that's, that's what I can say when you see some of the numbers that uh, are put out saying that like that the doll are putting in over 90 million into the horse and greyhound industry in itself that that money in itself seems to stem though back from the industry actually going and it seems to be money going back into the economy as opposed to anything yeah absolutely so the money actually comes from a betting tax so it's a tax which is put on betting, which is prominently made on horse and greyhound racing as well. I know if I, I had a campaign to receive some of that money as well, and some might agree, might agree with them, I, I'm sure they certainly have a, a strong case. But this, the money itself would not be there if the industry didn't exist. So the people ca- calling for it to, to end and saying that it's tax for its money being taken, it's actually factually incorrect because it's the money being taken from the betting levy on these sports. And the money that goes back into it, so Jim Power did an economic report a number of years ago, which showed that the return for the taxpayer is massive in both the greyhound and horse racing industry. 300 million a year, it's worth to the exchequer, the greyhound racing industry. So for the investment of 16 million, the exchequer gets back 300 million. I know on horse racing, it's much more than that. It's up in the billions. So these are two very, very important industries, particularly in rural communities. Massive, massive employment created from both industries. And not only employment, it's a wonderful social outlet for so many people as well. And I would urge anyone with an alternative view to just consider that and do do some research on the facts and figures and see how much these industries contribute to the exchequer. And at the end of the day, you will see that the, the taxpayer gets a far better return from investing in these industries. And talking about the social aspect of it then, uh, Joe, I've seen some photos of uh, different greyhound tracks actually being just absolutely jammers uh, packed with people there. It's uh, really great considering the weather that we have in Kilkenny that people are still getting out and supporting the passion. Yeah, it's wonderful seeing fantastic competitions on at the moment. We have wonderful sponsors. And hats off to, to the management of Kilkenny. The week in, week out, there's competition after competition after competition, a wonderful sponsors to see. And good racing really brings out 
the crowds and it's fantastic to see and there's nothing like a buzz of a busy track uh, on a night where, where there's a big event on you know even tonight we were all looking forward to the, the, night, the night of the Ledger final the Limerick couple two or three thousand people in the track all together and really really good fun at these events plenty of syndicates involved I'm involved in numerous syndicates myself even we have a new syndicate based out in Dubai with a group of musicians I'm involved with and it's just great fun it's a fantastic industry it's a great night out and if you've never been I'd really encourage anyone to even get out for one night of the dogs and see, and see what you think of it but yeah this time of year, plenty of staff nights out go to the dog tracks for their staff nights out, staff parties. And uh, we have plenty of them in Limerick tonight, actually, even though the racing isn't going ahead. The restaurant is still open. So it's a fantastic night out. Shelburne Park as well, which is HQ. That'll be absolutely hopping tonight. We have the Christmas Oaks there tonight with plenty of local runners in that as well. So Shelburne Park is, every Saturday night is always jammer. So it's really wonderful to see. Actually, Shelburne Park ran a student night recently, which had 4,000 people at it. And live music after that place was absolutely jammed. So that was really wonderful to see. So plenty of positive news coming from the industry in recent times. Lovely. Well, look, you mentioned that you have a party down in Limerick to prepare for. You have a guitar to June. Joe, thanks so much for giving us an update and kind of answering some of the questions that can be quite difficult to answer when it comes to the greyhound industry, but uh, kind of shedding some light from your perspective on things. And it's always a pleasure getting to talk to you. You home for Christmas for long? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's important to ask these questions. It's, it's important because these are questions which are very much highlighted in the media and it's important to, I think, most Greyhound people embrace these questions because at least people are taking the time to, to educate themselves and it's really important to ask these questions and to answer them and to be transparent. Home, home flew in today and home for the next three weeks, so I'm looking forward to a few live slots like ACLR. I always love the live option, as you know. I love, I love being put under the spotlight. You can't beat it. <laughs> and we love having you. Joe, thanks very much. Enjoy the gig tonight. Thanks so much, Shane. Enjoy the weekend. And to all your fantastic listeners, have a great weekend. Ah, he's lovely, isn't he? Absolutely lovely. He'll be playing gigs, I'd say, all around the west of Ireland. Is Limerick the west of Ireland? Is it counted the west of Ireland? I'm going to call it the west of Ireland anyway. But hopefully he'll get up here for a few tunes some night. We're going to take a quick ad break as we get ready to say our goodbyes. A bit of Christmas music on the way. Who doesn't love a bit of Christmas music? I got to play with my brother for the very first time. He's 12 years younger than me and I was just, I don't know, it's, it's things like that that make kind of Sunday League and local sports really special. Getting to go out there with your family members and stuff, you know, you may have done it yourself in, in the past no matter what discipline you're in. And it's completely, I don't know, it, it, there's something really nice that brings a smile to your face and you get to do it. Fair play to you, <laughs> I didn't start though, thankfully. Uh, Paddy, you have uh, some league finals coming up today, is it in O'Loughlin's? Yeah, I'm um, starting today. Is starting. The girls are starting first. Um, they're on at four o'clock. Um, quarter to five. Then you have uh, Luke Hanrahan. Yeah, Luke from our own club. Yeah, he's playing Ron O'Brien from Wing Gap. Um, that's at quarter to five. Then the girls Division One final is next. Then um, we should mention Lucy Doherty and Ava Ryan are the, the girls in the Division Two final at four. That's kicking it off. And then at Half five, we have Katie Brennan from Clock and Una Duggan Galmai, and then the boys final. Then Division One is Connor Dial, Wingap, and Norman O'Loughlin's. Okay, so there's a nice mix of clubs there as well. And so, when you're coming up to the league finals, obviously you're preparing for the championships and stuff. When you're talking about the league, though, how has it been going in general? Yeah, so this is the first time we've done it. It's an, the inaugural minor handball league. We have never done one before, so um, it was a kind of a brainwave by the 
if you want to call it that I suppose we're in, we weren't reinventing the wheel or anything but the county board chairman Mick O'Shea there from Wingap he put it to the committee members and he said how are we going to try and win a minor I think we were discussing it the last time we were on and um, it's been you know 2006 the last time since we won a minor 40 by 20 title uh, in boys and girls we've never won one so he put it to us how are we going to do it and so this is what we've come up with the first year to try and have a go now and bridge the gap since 2006 and get lads prepared for the new year which is where the Leinster Championships will start and you'll play your county championships as well but the Leinster kind of kick off in parallel with it so you know you can't you actually don't have a county championship to get ready for it so this is this is a pre-tournament for it if you like and there's a little adjustment too with the ball they're going into the adult ball now as well from from under 16 you know you come in now at 17s and 18s as minors and it's all about constantly evolving then as well so you've seen that you, you haven't really been successful at the minor grade now so it's great that you were able to kind of have the think tank together put something together and go alright this is how we're going to progress yeah because we we've been very successful at all the other grades underage you know we're winning 12s and 13s just goes to Leinster and we've been winning loads of those and 14 then up to 17 is going all the way to the all Irons and we're winning plenty of those you know like last year we won 9 out of the 16 boys and girls that were up for grabs but we just need to make the transition and is it that because we've spoken about different sports before is there like a certain dropout rate that you were finding it was hard to retain people that you were doing so well at the underage level because handball in itself huge history in the GEA but you're competing with the other GEA games of course and then you're competing with everything else that the Irish kids play you're looking at rugby you're looking at soccer so is it hard for a retention point of view is that where we were falling down yeah well in Kilkenny especially you know there's a massive draw to hurling you know look we're all we're all involved in hurling as well and you know it's obvious reasons why you would be because it's it's such a popular game and we're, and we're, we're good at it so lads who are skillful you know technically good at a lot of sports you know you'll find a lad is he's probably good at soccer he's good at handball he's good at hurling and they're going to the one that say the team games do come first but where their friends are going and stuff like that so there is a, a little draw to that Yeah the individual aspect of it can be, can be quite hard and quite tough um, uh, Paddy you yourself you've been quite successful over the past while as well and when we were in here last time you said you were turning your hand at training and stuff so have you been involved with anybody training in, in the finals today? Yeah I'm involved in uh, board advice there uh, this evening and um, best luck to both or our lads they're from all Aucklands um, we're having uh, the underage as well we're having a little Christmas tournament for them um, my own young lads my own two young lads and have uh, all the other juveniles we're over there training them this morning we usually train them Tuesday, Thursday Sunday mornings and uh, we're, they're going to be playing their own county championships after Christmas they're going to be playing under 10s county championships under 11s they'll be playing under 13s with some of the under 13s as well and uh, really looking forward to it Shane um, another young lad um, Anthony Clifford is heading off to Chicago America there want to give him a good shout out yeah you were telling me about this as well there's a few people heading over to the States yeah uh, Kyle Jordan as well as another lad great young lad um, from Kilfane going over to compete over there yeah they're going over to compete um, it's once and probably a lifetime opportunity um they're done great to get to there and want to wish them all the best is it a particular competition that they're doing they're going over there to train or what way is it working Frank yeah so they're going out they won the Irish trials effectively back in November 
middle of November and there <clears throat> so we had there was 15 and under 17 under 19s boys and girls and we we won two which was Kyle and Anthony and we were runner up in three um, so out of the six you know so we, we were that's really amazing close. Eh? yeah so you know yeah. out of spread and so they won they won their way out and now they're going to go on the 23rd of December until the 29th I think and um there's a bit of fundraising going on there and that and you know it's all good and that's hard you're saying December so they're going over for Christmas Christmas. yeah they're going for Christmas yeah and look I think probably family members might go that shows dedication though I know it's well deserved because Kyle has been very unlucky in the two minor All-Ireland finals this year and Anthony was in the 15 final and he 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 was defeated in that but he came back in the 40-20 and then he came back and won the 60-30 and now he's won this and the work is paying off and Kieran Ari's doing great work over there with them lads and they, they, Kieran, they yeah. won two Fela titles this year first time it's been done by a Kilkenny t- uh, club Talbot Inch he used to go to school you with know. Kieran as well yeah. he was mad into the yeah, handball well. Kieran like, Kieran's up in the top the top four players in the country yeah. you know he's just he's there ever present He's you know they were very unlucky in the in the doubles himself and Mickey Clifford there this year mm. um, put in an unbelievable performance and um, you know they were, you know that's the goal senior you know minor and win a senior and um We've put together as well a strength and conditioning uh, program this year with with the Kilkenny hurling board over in Nolan Park. They have used to the gym one night during the week. Love it. One night, you know, as, as they've been lads selected that are interested to do it, and um, that's, that's the senior players and and up from over minor up players that are. So it, it looks like that because we when last time we talked we were kind of worried about the effects of COVID and that what that would have on bringing people back and I think we talked to a member of uh, O'Loughlin's in itself and they were saying you know it could be hard the members are slowly coming back and surely but it seems now to be thriving yeah John was saying that the last time to you mm. yeah he mm. was yeah and um, I look sure the boys John and Paddy are, are doing massive work with the juveniles there and we were they were real thriving um, under a structure there now in place you know there's lads there's going to be lads coming through now you know please God and yeah look that league we've put together now is hopefully just to start off and um, thank Martin Lawler as well there he's acting secretary at the moment he's absolutely after putting in unreal work there putting it all together and you know and as I said Mick was Mick's idea and you know that's what you want you want lads just come, come up with ideas and plans and put them together and if we can keep doing that we will have more success and it's all about reaching out into different communities as well Paddy isn't it like it's about getting other people involved and, get, yeah. and getting people from uh, all different kind of walks of life coming in and getting them involved in sports yeah uh, it's like my own nationality uh, from the travelling community there and uh, Frank talk it on there um, I want to give a shout out to uh, the drum there in McDonough Junction. Yeah, Kira Finley. Yeah, Kira, a big thanks. Uh, she supported us there for a set of jerseys um, for the young lads, for all the minors, all the lads that run, all runners up today. They all get a jersey. Um, she started us out with the jerseys and what, what not. And thanks very much to her. Um, we and myself and Frank were being the last couple of weeks for the last probably four to six weeks we've been down in uh, Michael Street handball alleys helping out a couple of cousins of my own um, learn them how to play handball what not just learn them the basic skills playing doubles together playing singles and the weather has been cold yeah. uh, the last couple of weeks um, but sure as long as it's not raining you can put on a hat Paired loves he can get out it's good fresh air and I thought it was great and I, I thank I really thank Frank this and really mean this um, because giving back where I came from um, and what not I know 
it's hard to get people to trust people from getting people into handball alleys and whatnot. And I know it's all about being being a bit of trust and all. But the boys are doing well. They're nice lads. When you get to know them, they're really nice. Kara gets on really well with yeah, the boys. Great with them, yeah. yeah. Um, so we had a little jersey. We uh, fair play to Frank. Frank had four jerseys there for the boys last week, and the boys got all oh, got a jersey as well. Class. Thanks to Kara. Um, we went down. We had a few photographs over being the last day coming up to Christmas and all. But we hopefully want to push on these lads after Christmas maybe and uh, hopefully try get one or two of them are really really interested in handball to try get them into a club see what's the next step to see could we get one or two of them into a club because they have the potential these lads uh, have the feet work they have the shots um, they've done a bit of boxing or whatnot before they have the feet work and they have the shots so they're, they're great lads and I want to thank uh, Kira Finley and I want to thank Frank Minogue and, and you mentioned the boxing as well and obviously the boxing has such a huge history in the travelling community as well and you know you look at Tyson Fury and, and, and the things that he's gone on to accomplish and stuff but mm. because boxing in itself is an individual sport does it lend well then you mentioned the footwork to handball yeah it comes into like it comes into all sports and especially when you're moving you're constantly moving in handball it's good for your feet and whatnot. and fair play to the lads they, they have it and they're taking the right attitude they're taking the right attitude and they're doing what they're being told and Frank will tell you there now like it's what they wouldn't do for you when you really get to know them down there and uh, fair play to the lads for coming on board with them and uh, hopefully we can drive something on for them in maybe in the new year or something down along the line for them we could try get them into a, a club or try keep it going for the summer or something have a little tournament with them again and the jerseys the ta the thought the world of the jerseys as well and Frank got the jerseys for the lads today and during last week there the lads we had a little tournament with them and they got their jerseys and they thought everything of it like you know and it's these little things and these little steps and if the doors open the doors will open for them if they stay going and just stay doing the right attitude and just deem what what not doing what they're told and well, you're saying fair play to everyone. You're saying fair play to Frank, and you said fair play to Kira, and you're thanking everybody else. But you should yourself as well, because uh, Paddy, like a lot of time, say when you're caught up in saying sports radio, yeah. you get caught up in the big World Cup stories. You get caught up in oh, Ballygunner and Shamrocks, and sometimes you don't always think about sports that other people are out there playing. And we try and talk about cricket, and we try and talk about because there's loads of cricket going on, and there's loads of handball going on. You're always one of the first people to send me a message, go, Shane, this is happening. You know, just let you know, and then we get to have you on air. Then and it's brilliant. So fair play to yourself for continuing to push it, and for all the work that you're doing with the juveniles yeah. as well. And I'm sure Frank had agreed to that sentiment as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, sure. Look, Paddy. You know, he's you give him a call there. He's he's give any young lad a game there that wants. You know, wants a game, bit of training. You know, there's no bounds to the generosity of 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 him. And you know, they're good lads to have around, and the dedication and and just just you know good good people like they're they're helping out lads and that's what, that's every every walk of life needs that you know and all communities and just say that the drum center as well they're doing they do great work there for all young lads from on you know less privileged backgrounds and they're actually having um for all the players that participated in the whole leagues they're having a day out next Brilliant. friday and you can go in and play a few games of pool and stuff up there and you get 
pizzas and things and whatever what not you know and just let them have a bit of fun there for a couple of hours they're all invited in to, to go to it afterwards and uh, also just you know they're, they're trying to get out there the work they're doing up there for for people in the community for children you know we'll, we'll bring it up you know, we'll put it up online uh, scoreline.a yeah. during the week as well but uh, for today you're going to keep us up to date with some of the results that are happening while we're on air as well so just to, once again a reminder it's in O'Loughlin's yeah. starting at 4 is it? 4 o'clock yeah 4, four o'clock um, no free entry we're expecting a good crowd over here um, there'll be all tea and coffee and whatnot over there and there should be great games and Best of luck to uh, everyone. Lovely. Well, lads, it's always a pleasure having Thank you on. You Best of luck today with, with with the finals going ahead. And as I said, you're going to keep us updated. Yeah, I'll do that. Cheers. Thanks very much, Thank Frank Minogue and Paddy Delaney chatting all things handball. We're going to take a quick ad break here. There's lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Bit of Christmas music yeah. on the way also. I've been Shane O'Keefe. That's been Scoreline Extra, the 103rd, I should say. You can tune in every weekend on Scoreline from 2 to 6 on KCLR. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and remember, chase yourself, Dave.